Tyrell Cannon, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I like it. It's, is it, it's almost as if you had absolutely no warning, and you just went woohoo out of sheer enjoyment. I was surprised. Oh my god. It's that time. It's it's Thursday, the following the convention. Yeah. People know what time it is. Yeah. The day I've been waiting for. Gentlemen, we need to get a, li- a little bit louder. But, you know, a little bit louder now. A little bit louder now. A little bit louder now. It's not the kitchen anymore. Right. A little bit softer now. A little bit louder now. We did a lot of shouting this weekend, didn't we? We sure did. We're having a lot of fun. You're lot stupid. Of how could you give that answer? You're stupid. You know? For real, though. Never freeze at 19. It's just dumb. <laughs> Who the hell freezes at 19? Losers. No, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been going to sleep to buzzer every night this week. You're lucky you have it. Oh, wait. Yeah, I, mean, I have a Roku. Show Network, but it, that, that, that's all newer shit, like Harvey, Steve Harvey's Family Feud and, and whatever the hell Joey Fatone is, is hosting. So I'd rather watch it. I mean, Uncommon I knowledge. Can't. Co- is it common knowledge? Or common America knowledge. says or some shit. I love America says. I don't. I haven't watched it yet. Um, so right now, Supermarket Sweep is on, and and I'm just I you know I, I wait for for Password Plus and and for Match Game. You have Buzzer on basic cable, or are you you watching it on the Roku? Whatever, whatever level we have, we don't get the premiums. We don't get like HBO or Showtime or anything. So whatever the level is below that. Oh. Cool. And you're not going to hit your buzzer because this is 11 o'clock comics episode, wait for it, 599. And I am Vince B. Oh, you are Vince B. I miss you, boo. And I am David A. Price. I got a boo. Indeed, you both are my boos because I'm Gilbert Hernandez. No, you are not Gilbert Hernandez. 
You're Jason Wood, everybody. What? Why did you Why did you pick uh, Beto for your? Uh... Well, I mean, why don't you just wait and see? Hmm. A snap. That's I'll interesting. Snap. My mind is reeling with the possibilities. Old or new? Relax. You'll find out. All right. And you're not Gilbert Hernandez. You're Jason Wood in the house. Everybody's here. Well rested, hopefully, after a, a very, very eventful C2E2 2019. But we'll tell you all about it. But first, but first, we got to take care of a little business. And you know how it goes. Yes. If you are in the market for inexpensive comic books, graphic novels, and everything else in the previews catalog, who isn't? There's only one place you should be heading your little browser type application, and that's to DCBService.com. That's DCB as in boy, service.com, where you will reap rewards aplenty. Now, uh, it's the end of the month. So they're winding down. The list of specials are still up. Maybe you can get in on it. So this will be the very, very last time you're going to hear this. Scope these specials from Marvel. It's the Avengers. You may have heard of them. Uh, trade paperback for No Road Home. Twenty nine ninety nine cover price contains No Road Home issues one to ten and probably other stuff. For uh, you will have it for your very own for fourteen ninety nine. Up at DC, it's the Batman Last Night on Earth number one. It's prestige format miniseries, three issues. This is the first. And uh, Snyder, Capullo, you know the drill. You got to have it. It's great. And it is a $5.99 book because it's a prestige thing. But uh, you, super savvy paper ruffler consumer, you can have it for $2.99. That's mm. what? How, many, how much is that off? Oh, 50%. 58%. No, it's 50%. Oh, and yeah, um, bringing up the rear, but never, ever, ever in our hearts, it's Kevin Eastman. He's embarking on a new miniseries. This is called Drawing Blood, colon, Spilled Ink, number one of four. He's doing it with uh, David Avalone on the writing side, and uh, he's also illustrating some of it. And you can have this three ninety nine first issue for a paltry $2.19. That's 45% off the cover price. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions. To get your books all shipped nice and safe and secure right to the door of your domicile. Bing bong. Mm-hmm. You know I what that means. The, uh, I ordered the Kevin Eastman cover. I thought about getting the Sakai cover, um, but... I figured it would be cool to get the the one the the, the one from Kevin by himself, not the one where he uh, works with Bishop. Mm. There was only one choice for me. There was, I know, and I'm glad you did get it. I'm glad it was an option. Um, it is a cool looking cover, but considering what this is a spinoff of, and because I'm getting. Dave's covers for the TMNT ongoing, even though Kevin is doing the variants. Um, and this is pretty much Kevin's story. I wanted the... I wanted the man who draws more later. I wanted the actual artist of, of of the story that's moving this along. His cover. So you think I went with the Dave Wachter? No, you went on the... 
I went uh, with the, the, the analog, you went with the Freddie Williams. Hell yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm saying, but because Kevin's doing the variants for the ongoing, uh, and I'm buying the ongoing because Dave is drawing, unfortunately, only the bulk of City at War, um, I'm getting his covers. Very nice. rarely do I break my rule of, of um, getting the variants if getting a cover that isn't drawn by the interior artist, if that's an option. Hmm. Neat. Maybe. There you go. So, as we said, C2E2, the dust has settled, and we're going to tell you about it. And mm-hmm. um, many libations Best con ever. were consumed. But uh, what I want to know is, what kind of tonic are you uh, token now? Token? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not token anything, per se, but I'm drinking some Allagash Black, which is uh, the same beer I had uh, two, three weeks ago. Back at it. Black at it. Like it. I like that, yeah. And and since we are back home, I can only guess what Vince is imbibing on tonight. I will tell you. Go for it. Best coffee in the known universe. McDonald's. Two extra tall McDonald's black coffees. Shotgun on them, one, two. That's a lot of cafe. It does not affect me. It is decent coffee. Sleep like a baby. Nice. Yeah, you know what? I think that the coffee really doesn't keep me awake either when I think about it, which is pretty unfortunate. I drink a shit ton of coffee. Since I drink a lot at work, I would yeah. hope it would keep me awake, but it really doesn't. There's one cup in the morning, that's it. Wow. That's bold. You're a madman. What yeah, kind of, you're a machine. You are. What are you drinking, Dap? Uh, I am finishing. I don't know if I'll finish it. I am continuing the bottle I was sipping on. Uh, well, in a glass, but the Sip bottle I had uh, that I opened uh, Monday night and had some last night during our final draft of this baseball season. Mm-hmm. It is the Senyo Malbec Neat. from Argentina. Uh, before we go into this, the the draft is not currently going on. No, the drafts are over. It's, oh, it's, okay. it's open. Baseball hey, season we're, started we're, today. So nice. We got, we got, we got our drafts in. So you have our undivided attention, Vince. That's just what I wanted to hear. May or may not be basketball on, though. Oh, my God. There is. There's baseball on, too, because my, son, my son's watching two things, baseball yep. and basketball. That's bunch my of, boy over there. He's a bunch of freaks. <laughs> That's my boy, Vinny. He's, you're his dog. My dog. As I asked him why, I said, why is Jason your dog? He goes, oh, what do you say? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he just knows what's up. Yeah, I guess. I wish he knew what was up in school. That'd be the best. Oh, yeah. But he, he had him, a... Tell him to follow his dog. He's got to get them good grades because I'm I about know. that life. He had a track meet today, and he won all of his events. That's, That's sick. Mm-hmm. One of which he did alone, but he still won. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. What's he, pole vault? Uh, he did, I don't know. Hurdle. No, he doesn't do anything with a pole other than, mm. you know you know what. Okay. But um, I think he did hurdles and... Um, short runs. I don't know. I don't know what they are. Sprints, maybe yeah. some type. I, I don't wow. know. Plug, you're plugged in. I, I'm I'm linked to my son's uh, athletic co- career. In check with his his extracurricular. I gave him a good boy and a hug. That's all he needs. He don't need. I don't that, need to know what's all, going on. That's all that matters. That's right. So the C two E twos. We got yeah. we got to talk about it. 
got to talk about. <laughs> we got to sit down, all calm and cool and collected, and talk about the C2E2, um, which Good we luck. were, which we uh, attended last uh, last weekend. It seems like just yesterday. Um, so, what did y'all think? Well, let's start by saying um, it's. We'll get this right out there. I I think that's fair to say I had a markedly better time inside the convention hall than you two did. Very true. Which is not to say you didn't have a good time, but no, but. I had I had a, a a wonderful time. It was just <laughs> there were things that I wished were present that were not. Right. You want me to get into it? I mean, I I just wish the dealer's room was a bit more robust in terms of actual comics. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. The the deals that we scored at Heroes were non-existent. There was, I think that's the thing. It's it's not that. It's not that comics weren't there to be had. It's just that the deals were not present. Right. You could um, have bought any comic you wanted if you wanted to pay close to already cover price. Mm-hmm, and at that point, mm-hmm. what's the point of, of me coming home with things when I can just call up my comic shop or see what's at my actual comic shop right. or find out from DCBS if they still have it? Right. And, and if you go to conventions hoping to score a slabbed book, y'all are silly. It's just silliness because the the slabbed books were ridiculously priced. Yeah, uh, that is true. I I don't know why anyone ever does that. I I guess it's just impulse buys. Maybe. Uh, Case in point, I was looking for a copy of Savage Tales number one. And I found one. And there was no way in hell that I was walking out with a slabbed Savage Tales number one for $1,750. That's how much it was? You didn't tell me that. $1,750. Wow. Which means Tomio was close to the mark. I mean, in in that he said you're going to pay a hell of a lot more than 150 dollars for it. Um, but yeah, I I didn't expect it to be that high. That's just wow. crazy. Yikes! So I, I I have to say I one thing I noticed at the show because I didn't do I didn't even really attempt to do much back issue diving because y'all were clearly much more. Um, learned in those things and you were disappointed so um i didn't much make the attempt but i did notice that even a bunch of the well-known chicago uh lcs's didn't table now i don't know if that's a new thing admittedly i didn't take much of a survey from three years ago when we were there but um i know the challengers guys were were there uh pat and dow were there friday just walking around they weren't set up and i don't think quimby's was set up right no i didn't see them yeah. yeah, and we scoured so, the, and those the floor. Are, those are two of the two of the bigger uh, Chicago stores. So that's interesting to me. Also, um, I mean, let, let's. Let, I mean, let, let's take a step back. I think that um, there's something strange going on um, with the convention circuit, and uh, I don't want to be a, a doomsayer uh, because some people have been proclaiming the end of the con bubble for some time. But uh, for some reason, C2E2 has always been an odd duck for one of the major shows. And I say major show, meaning it's in a major city. It has more than 50,000 attendees, and it is a read pop show. So you don't get much more major than that, right? But unlike the other major shows in cities, it's never had a home, meaning it's never had a, a weekend that is always it. Um, Heroes is always Father's Day weekend, right? 
Emerald City is yep. always that same week in March. Um, uh, New York is 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 always that second or third week in October, right? Like, like there's just tentpole times when you know, okay, it's that month. That's where the show is. San Diego is always the same time in the summer. Uh, for some reason, even though C2E2 is a big show and it's Reed and McCormick is one of the largest, I think, in fact, is, is the largest convention center in the U.S., it can never just find a, a date to settle on. So it's been as late as mid-April, and it's now next year going to be in February. And I think this year it really hurt itself with its its unusual scheduling because uh, it was smack in between Emerald City the week before and WonderCon this week. And that was a bigger deal than even I think we realized going in, which is to say um, most of the comic publishers opted against having a big presence at C2E2 because they're West Coast based. And it's really freaking hard to set up a big to do at a convention out in Seattle, break it all down, get to Chicago, set all up and then get back to the West Coast to WonderCon especially for a West Coast publisher, it's easier just to stick around the West Coast and have a week in between. And as a result, most of the publishers weren't there either. Uh, Marvel had a booth, but it was very small, and it was solely focused on non-comic stuff, right? It was was the movies, the video games, things like that. Um, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think DC had a booth. Didn't Um, see one, no. Image did not have a booth, and this is, I was told by a, a friend this is the first time Image didn't have their typical giant Image uh, setup that they always have at the big shows. They didn't have any presence. Boom wasn't there. Um, um, who else wasn't there? A couple I, of the other smaller publishers weren't there. Yeah, I didn't see a Valiant booth. I, I could okay. be wrong, but I don't remember uh, seeing one. Right. So, so the the you know it was a, definitely a thing where although it was well attended and it seemed like most of the floor space was full of stuff. It definitely lacked a lot of the things that you would become come to expect of a major show. Right. And um, honestly, for me, doesn't truly have much, if any, of an impact to my ability to enjoy a con because uh, y'all know this and listeners know this too. I spend 95% of the time I'm inside of a convention hall in Artist Alley. And so I go to conventions for two reasons, to hang out in Artist Alley and – chop it up with artists and get art and then to hang out with my friends outside of the convention hall. Right. And so from my vantage, this con felt like any other con and it was an awesome experience. Sure. But, that, but, but that's for a, you guys, it was a different experience. Yeah. That's a very narrow, that's a very specialized yes. focus where Dap and I, we love to, to scour the, the bins yes. and I am a junkie for vinyl there was almost no vinyl at the show. There was one dealer that had some pieces that were, they're all chromed out and crap. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't dig that. Um, but Chicago is pretty much a, a vinyl hub and there was nothing. I couldn't throw money at vinyl if I wanted to, uh, which is weird because I was hoping to take an, away another, another tchotchke or two, uh, but it was not to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and and another thing, the majority of the left hand side of the dealer floor was video game related things, shirts, 
let's see what else um weaponry just n- not comics right there was a huge video game pops. area pops many 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 pops which is so not many pops. that's not a bad thing i mean I, i'm a fan but you know how many pop dealers do you really need and then you had the statue guys and the bust people and the old toy dealers, which was one or two of those. And it was neat to see what they had. But stuff was very overpriced. And then as the left side of the, the dealer floor bled into the middle, maybe one or two comic dealers. And then the right-hand side seemed to have the majority of the comic dealers, which weren't many. It was pretty much the same old, same old. That was expected, right? You get the guys that are always there with the high-end books. And it just seems like Heroes, and I'm going to compare it to Heroes because Heroes is the pinnacle for me. It seems that Heroes is a shopper's con where you can get your art and you can get some books and it's all very comic-centric and it's an embrace of the art form where the read shows seem to be... A melting pot. You have a little bit of everything, and 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 when you have a whole bunch of ingredients thrown in, you can't really taste the specific ones, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just it just seems like it's it's overblown. Uh, let's get our picture taken with Paul Rudd. That's great if you want to do that, but it's there's there's no real focus at at um at the read shows. It just seems like let's just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Well, don't don't forget that the two E's. The first one stands for entertainment, so uh-huh. it's 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 Chicago Comics Entertainment Expo because their focus, even though it's the first, it's it's, it's in the first half of the show's name. It's like most read shows. I and okay, granted, I haven't been to Emerald City, but like New York, for example, um, comics aren't really. In the forefront, yes, they they have their guests. Yes, they um, they 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 announce artists that, that are going to be there and creators. And and I mean, they take out the full page ads in in the comics, letting you know you know C two E two is coming. But um, it's and more so at at New York, especially with the Walking Dead badges. But um, you're there were. I, I think it's safe to say Reed's focus is um, the mediums that that comics ripples into. So so the movies and and the TV shows and and the cartoons and and granted, I mean there were there there seemed to be some pretty interesting panels, especially like um, there was one on on diversity with with, with the Spider Verse, which uh, Tana Ford was a was a panelist on, and and you know so there. The panels seem to be uh, maybe comic-centric more so than, I guess, the feeling on the floor. And uh, there's, you know, and, and I mean, and and the pros, it, it, it's not, there are still the, when you're, when you're walking the floor at C2E2, it's night and day than what we go through at New York because yes. you, you yes. cannot move in New York, regardless of whether you're on the dealer floor or downstairs in Artist Alley 
or, or queued up to, to get someone's autograph and photo. Um, Chicago still, I love Chicago for, for the wide aisles, uh, for the ability to actually be able to, to move and, and, you know, spot your friends. If, if, if someone gets separated, um, if you, if, if you let go of someone's hand in New York, you're not seeing them until, you know, somewhere in the parking lot or hopefully on the subway back. But there's, there's just, it's still a, it's still a very friendly show, but when it comes to reasons why we, or specifically I go to a convention, um, it's not, this is probably the first year where I, I misses the mark seems kind of harsh, but there's just, there's expectations I've had, I have, and, and this wasn't our first C2E2. And yeah, you know, Vince will point out that Heroes spoils us, but Heroes is a, is a show if you are a comic book lover and, and you know, you're not going to get the, the closest you're going to get to an entertainment panel is, is the guys from Archer. So you're not, you're not going to get, you know, a huge life-size transformer walking down the aisles at, at heroes. You're not going to get Mojo and his two kids. It's, it's just, there's, um, it's it's a diff, it's for me it's kind of in the middle between the frenziness of New York and and the laid back and and very enjoyable heroes. Right, and I admit yeah. that it's mostly on us because oh absolutely because we, we, everybody we've talked to had a great time. Yeah, but we go for the comics, we go for right. the friends, and I could I have zero interest in you know, throwing stars or, or hoodies. Right. And, and, and what, what's those prices, right. What's happening in the magicians or, you know, like I, 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 I could not care less. I'm there for the comics. So my expectations are very specific. And since the comics aspect of it is, is merely a fraction of the whole, admittedly, that's on me for expecting more, but, if if I had to vote, you know, which what I would rather do, you know, the outcome, right? I would rather go to the convention that's tailored to be specific to my interests, where instead of a, a, a this catch-all thing, where you know they try to please everyone, and and in doing so, you're never going to please everyone because there's mm-hmm. real there's no real focus. Which okay, that that's. That's what it's become. So we have to deal with it. We could choose not to go, but but we choose to go in in hopes of experiencing, you know, the, the camaraderie and in that aspect, it works really well because yeah. we're all there. And um, one of the the major pluses of C two E two this year was Artist Alley. I thought Artist Alley was pretty amazing. It really was. Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's, uh, let's roll it back because the last people heard from us. Well, that's not true. Hopefully, they listened to the book of the month, which we recorded at C2E2, which was a hell of a lot of fun. It was great doing that with it uh, was. everybody. Um, but when they last heard us before that, we were here at my crib the night before Wednesday night doing our thing, about to head out. We headed out Thursday morning, as we do. Got there in plenty of time. No, no messenger bag gaffes this time. So we were at our at our gate well in advance of when we needed to be. Um, Managed to get into town with uh, just a modest delay as we waited to take off because, um, well, like maybe a 20, 30 minute delay. Tops. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, got it around noon and 
headed over to um, like a sports bar, not nah, more like a, a restaurant, a sports restaurant, craft beer type of place that uh, Brian Vander had recommended to us. So we met up with uh, Cliff and Justin, our North Carolina buddies, and had the games on, much to your guys' pleasure, and drank some beers and just did our thing because we couldn't get into the Airbnb until 3 p.m. So uh, we headed on over to the Airbnb, which was in Chinatown, and uh, and got there around three, and people started rolling in. And I thought the Airbnb was cool. You know, it was it was it was a little small, but uh, but really? you know, well, yeah. we made we made yeah. the most of it though, right? We did, we did. It was. I yeah, gotta say, it, I, I kudos to whoever took the pictures for the Airbnb because we all looked at all those pictures, and it made it look a lot larger. Yep. So, I mean, I don't know how they did it, but uh, they did it. So, uh, yeah, but um, but Airbnb was a little tight, but everyone had a spot to sleep. Yes. Basically, we, we all did our thing. And, we weren't there for right. It really did work out because you had um, – it was basically – it was two connected suites, and um, it was really just basically a place to sleep um, – and, and wash up. There was, you know, because because there wasn't there wasn't a table for everybody to sit around at and 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 uh, you know have a meal, um, and and it was tight for everybody to be in one room. But again, we made it work. But it, the way it broke down was fantastic because you had the the sports fanatics in one suite with their TV, <laughs> so they were watching their games. And then the nerds were watching other games and the dirt on the other TV. So, so, so the way it broke down was absolutely fantastic. I don't think we could have planned that better. That's true. I got to say, I think my expectations are wildly different than than both of yours as far as like lodging goes. Much that's, like your views on food. Yeah, that's I. I would not yeah, argue that at all. Utilitarian. I mean, it was clean, right? It was clean. Yes. No. There was, was, was there was clean. no problem with. The place, other than the fact that if if you are, you know, as tall as a few of us are, then you know it, it may have been like nobody else noticed anything on top of the fridge until Jason walked into the kitchen, and and there was just there was just there's things that. But when I think back about the last time we were in Chicago. And we had that long table, and it had the island in the kitchen. There was yeah, there were was areas great. where we could all kind of you know just congregate. We sat around that table all exactly day, chopping yeah. it up. It was great. So I there was no place like that here. Yeah, I will it was say an open kitchen, and we ate. We had a lot of. We went grocery shopping, and we had right. a lot of food. So yes. that was the different vibe, and that and maybe for, it was for the better because it basically kept us from just sitting in the in the, right. in the house all we didn't day. keep we to ourselves stayed and stayed out yeah. in the city and, and, yeah. and went a lot so yeah if we wanted to play a couple rounds of magic there would be no place to do it in this, correct right that's what we're saying yeah yeah i get you but perfectly suitable lodging and very close to the con it was a very short oh my God, was walk great. to the con which was nice um so yeah so thursday we uh we pretty much just just corralled everybody had a couple meals and socialized right um i mean you know the con didn't start officially until friday so we just uh, we did it up. We went out to uh, Kroll's. Yeah, right. Thursday night. Yep, the Kroll's. Yes. Which we didn't realize until we walked in, and then we walked in, we we recognized it as a place we went to probably six years before 
when it was a Marvel industry party that we attended right. with the iFanboy guys. And um, then we found out later in the week that it, it that it was also the site of this year's Marvel party and apparently is the site of the Marvel party every year at C2E2. So yeah. they're not much for switching it up. But, um, but yeah, so Thursday was just kind of a meet up with everybody, say hello, catch up on life with everybody. And then Friday morning we got to the con pretty much at the start and uh, started doing it. And the, I will say that um, as as you kind of started this uh, this talk off about this con being a little different, this was, Friday was very very strange for me because I saw you two maybe ten minutes of the day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. We walked in together. You guys headed towards the shopping. I headed towards Artist Alley. Uh, the way C two E two does is rows A through Z. I started at the ten a.m. open at row A. And didn't veer from. I just went A B C. I just went alphabetically and never backtracked. And I finished Rosie with about five minutes to spare until closing at seven o'clock. Nice. Yikes. Yep. Like some of the artists this weekend finishing right before the show. That is true. But uh, I have to say, uh, it took that long because at this point, Chicago was. It was you know it'd been a few years, and we. I just I kept. Every few every few booths, just another person, either either an artist that I had something set up with, or someone that we're friends with, or bumping into people that uh, were also in attendance that we hadn't seen in a while. So, for me, Friday was an, an amazing day because I probably had a hundred conversations with different people, just saying hello and catching up and touching base, and and that that was nice. It felt uh, like a, a cozy, comfortable pair of pants putting them back on after you find them in the back of your drawer. We have to thank Kirby for you, as far as the show goes. I mean, you're the mouthpiece of for the show at the cons. You, you love to to talk. You love to just chit-chat with people. And then Dap would be second on the list of the chit-chatting, and then there's me. You've gotten I, very good at the stick a microphone in someone's face and get a bumper, though. Yes. And I, it's not that I don't like to talk to people. It's just that if there's – see, it's a selfish your lasers, your laser focus. It's if it's a selfish thing, right? If if there is long boxes that I have not paged through or, or right. perused, I sound like a total ass by by saying this, but it's true. If 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 there's books to be had, I would I would much rather dig than interrupt someone's. I'm, I, yeah, I'm couching it like it's a it's a it's a a problem. You know, I'm interrupting your day by speaking to you. Well, that's why you're there. You know, what I mean, yeah, I I would rather dig through the books, but I do, I I, I do talk to people. I I think I've gotten a lot better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. but I mean, there's some no brainers. If I'm standing in front of Matthew Allison, I'm gonna talk to him. I mean, he's we're we're Siamese twins that have been separated a long time ago. And he, he, we're of the same mind. He loves the same things that I do. So I can, he is a friggin' phenomenal illustrator. So we can talk art. And, and that's, that's great. But I'm, I'm at a loss when Jason strolls up to someone whose, uh, work I'm with, I'm unfamiliar with, you know, and that's the one thing Jason has. Jason can talk to someone he's never met before whose work he's only barely seen, he could chat it up and he's like, he's good. Like, I know why you have the job that you do because you, you're, you're very proficient at the discourse where I am not. 
Uh, well, I appreciate that. I mean, I do like the discourse for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. And, and I, yeah, uh, I, I think for, for me, that's a big part of, of these shows is, is conversations with people new and old. Um, but yeah, but so Friday was what it was. And then Friday night after the show wrapped up, uh, we, we, again, our, our, our cross, our paths didn't really cross. So, so, uh, Mario, uh, D-Dub, Daniel White, and I had plans to have dinner at a restaurant called The Smith, where uh, it was the – it was – as I was eating the meal, I kept thinking, man, I wish I could split into the multiverses and see what the version of this meal would have been with Vince and David at the meal with us. <laughs> <laughs> For different reasons, I think you both wouldn't have enjoyed it. But but uh, but but real talk, it's, it's, a, it's one of the best restaurants in Chicago, uh, but many people consider it the second best restaurant only to Alinea, which as some of our listeners know, was the place that Mario and I were desperately hoping to go to. We ended up not being able to get cable. Uh, so we quote unquote settled for the Smith, but wow, was it an amazing experience? Uh, but, but it was a, you know, it was a three hour, 10 course tasting menu. So a very formal affair. Uh, it was a very low key laid back setting for the type of restaurant it was, but, but a, a structured, formal affair that uh, definitely lives up to the hype. Uh, your mileage may vary if it's not your scene, but for us it was I, it was fantastic. Um, but while we were doing that, and that didn't end, end up finishing up until around 11 o'clock when it was said and done. Well, wait, before um, you move on, though, mm-hmm. the Alinea mm-hmm. thing, you need, to, yeah. you need to get into the follow-up. Yeah, well, I will. I will. Okay. I will. Um, <laughs> but, but we – so we were doing that meal thing, and – Finally, around 11, met up with y'all at the spot where you guys were. I don't know when you got there, but you were there for some time before I got there, clearly. And that was the EOC meetup that uh, I believe Tom Kelly had arranged. Yeah, it was great. And what was the name of that spot? An emporium at yes, Logan Square. The Emporium. The emporium. Okay. It, it's, it was a, it's an arcade, which is neat. They have pool tables and, and vintage video games and pinball machines. Yeah, well, yeah, loud ass DJs, but we were up on a on a raised platform, mm-hmm. right next to a a pretty big monitor, that they were playing Robo Vampire. Mm-hmm. Woo, woo. <laughs> First, when we walked in, it was Galaxina, the Dorothy Stratton movie. What time did y'all get there? Oh, n- nine, right, Tom? Uh, okay, was it that? Yeah, it yeah. may have been. Yeah, 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 we, yeah, because yeah, we grabbed. Um, Grabbed an Uber and then, because uh, we were going to try to grab a bite, the fucking diner was closed. We wanted pancakes, of course. Yeah. Every, every con must have it. pancakes. Y'all tried to get into a diner and it was closed? Yes. yes. Yeah, but the, all the lights were on. It looked like yes. full operation. What happened in the back room? Maybe. Mm-hmm. A little snorting. But so we tried. This is, this is the, the thing that led me to go astray. We tried to get something to eat because we hadn't eaten for a stretch, a long, and then we're drinking. And uh, so I'm talking to Mike Schwartz. I had a couple beers, and I'm standing there talking to Mike Schwartz about Transformers and comics and everything, and my legs started to give out from underneath me, right? I, I started getting dizzy and like, what the hell? Like, I never get dizzy. So he must have thought I was crazy because I grabbed onto his pant leg. <laughs> Mike, Mike Schwartz, if you don't know him, is, is a fairly tall guy. I grabbed onto his pant leg and I'm like, Mike, I, I just got to sit down. Keep talking. I just have to sit down for a minute. And I plopped my ass in the chair and I did not move. It eventually wore off, but no food 
And alcohol, not a good combination. So, but the the first movie was Dorothy Stratton in Galaxina. Love that movie. She's gorgeous. God rest her soul. And then it was Robo Vampire, followed up by Horror High, which is also known as Damaged Brain, one of my all-time favorite movies. But we didn't get to see... It is. We didn't get to see the finger chopping scene, which, um, whatever. It is what it is. I've seen it a million times anyway. Um, But I have to say, the choices for uh, the movies was impeccable. Whoever decided, you know, what we're going to play, it's top-notch. Robo Vampire, mm-hmm. it was just a fun time, you know? Hopping vampires? What? That's the shit, man. Oh, God, that was great. That well, was I, hope, great. I hope you had more fun actually talking to the people that were there than the movie that was playing. Oh, right? we, were, we were having uh, a great time making fun of the films and talking comics. And, I mean, it, it was, uh, that's the, that was the gem of the social interaction outside of you guys One, for me. And, do, you have, and do you have a list of who was there? David I does. I, yeah. I mean, we, we, it's already mentioned Mike Schwartz, but earlier that day, earlier on Friday, um, yeah, of course, we had the people that we, 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 we have the Chicago natives who we saw, uh, who we always see. We have the people from out of town who come in that we always see, like Arnie. Um, and, and we got to actually meet people who we have never met before now, and some who were at um, get-togethers last year that uh, sadly we were not part of because we didn't go to Chicago last year. And um, I am just delighted that I was finally able to meet Caleb Alexander McKenzie and his lovely husband Roger. And it's um, you know, but we have on our walk on our walk to the convention. Friday morning, we uh, we chatted with Mr. John Davis for a little bit. Um, finally, also met Brian Newberry, um, Dennis Menard um, at the show while we were standing in front of Vander's table, who he was sharing the table with Don Cardenas, who we hadn't seen in a couple of years as well, was uh, Nico and Christine. And they had come down from uh, Canada. They also had a, a work function to attend so they were at the con for one day before having to to do with their business and um nico is the proud owner of that fantastic one of vander's best pieces of the weekend that awesome uh magic and silac uh silac commission that he had done um and uh there's uh, dan who came up to us and, and introduced himself who is a who's a fantastic patron and, and recently received uh one of his care packages. Um, Hector Roman stopped Vince and I while we were at one of the uh, dealer booths and uh, because he heard Vince talking and, and he wanted to introduce himself. It, and that happened a couple of times this weekend and it's still not something uh, that, that we are used to, but Chris Revikant was at the Emporium. Um, I hear Rick Hansen was there. Um, Dave Don't, Proust. Wendy. Wonderful Wendy of Freeman. Of course, Wendy. Tom like Kelly, said, Mike Schwartz. Tom Kelly was there. Um, Ray they, Wagner. There was just, yes, Ray was was, was great. Um, of course, Drummer. Stephen Wooder. Right, John Westoff. Uh, it was just the Fords were there this weekend. Mm-hmm. It was just a, um, it was. Camp Smalley. Yeah. 
Yep. Yes, I did see him. Uh, I didn't speak to him all that much this weekend, unfortunately. But uh, but but yeah, it was Dave Jordan, of course, had uh, had his table. He was. I mean, we could when we're talking about Artist Alley, um, we can touch on on the artist who we we spoke with. But um, yeah, it just it went by in such a blur. And and we, you know, our our roommates, of course, we we spent all weekend with like. Zach and Ben and Will, um, we, we we were able to convince our North Carolina brothers to come up to Chicago for the weekend. So so Cliff and Justin uh, were with us. Of course, Mario was there as Jason mentioned, who went to dinner. Um, unfortunately, you know there were a few people who couldn't make it, uh, like Flippadippa and uh, and Jonathan Gordon, both for very valid reasons. It's it, I'm, I'm bummed. But of course, you know, it, it, things do do happen. Um, and of course, don't forget Sarah Harris, who couldn't be there. Who yes. could not be there. But uh, her uh, her beautiful piece, and it's still a surprise. I, I didn't spoil anything. Her beautiful piece was picked up from Kelly. Um, hopefully, she'll be able to make it out to New York Comic Con in October. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I, I don't during hockey. It's the hockey season, so she'll never make it out two heroes she says but i think vince can be pretty convincing mm-hmm. uh damn right we must not forget about our brother from another mother ramon who was ray was just and he i you know, i i love ray and i love seeing ray and, and, and i'm lucky enough to chat with him every day but it's one of those things where you know he's just he he's like a comfortable pair of jeans man you just there's there, there's there's nothing I get such enjoyment out of just hanging out with him. Same. He, he is a genuinely, really great person. Yes, he is. And yeah, our, our, I guess we should mention our, our housemates specifically. Got Justin and Cliff, our North Carolina Brohemes. Got Vander, our Chicago Brohemian. Got uh, Will Pfeiffer. Got Zach Cruse, who, talk about Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> uh, we got Mr. Ooh. Ben Teed, uh, of course Mario, MTV's Mario. Hilariously enough, by the way, he 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 almost met up with his old Beauty and the Geek uh, counterpart who lives in Chicago. I don't think they were able to pull it off though, but uh, that would have been a trip. Am I forgetting anybody in the in the in the house? Me and David. Mario Mintz. No, of course. Mario Mintz. <laughs> Me, Mario, Vince, um, you got them all. Zach and Will, yeah, yeah Ben, and then and we yeah. had the, the the other crew was like you said it was Ray, D Dubs, and uh, Robert. Halfman. Robert Halfman, we finally yeah. met as well. Yeah. yeah, he's a tall drink of water. Yes, he, he is. is. Yeah, and no he's another one like Matthew Allison that I could talk to forever because our interests are very close. Mm-hmm. He lo- he loves shitty movies as I do and the yeah. art and stuff. But uh, hats off to Stephen Wooder. Who kept feeding me Malort? On, I believe uh, he said he had over sixty shots of Malort on his vacation. Yes, Yikes! Well, I had, I believe, four. Every time I turn around, I have boom. Yeah, in stark contrast to three years ago, I I, I hardly drank at all uh, this trip, but uh, had a few nice craft beers and the like. Yeah, which was odd for you. It Did was you? funny. It was funny being sober and. Everyone else not be. It's always funny and, yeah, to, to flip that watch, perspective around. Yeah, you know. But uh, it, yeah, because when we, when we arrived on Friday to the Emporium, um, 
since we had been at dinner, we had, I think we each had one, one cocktail each over the three hour dinner. And then when we got there, y'all were feeling pretty good already. Hell yeah. So we had a decision to make. We could either go all in and try and catch up very rapidly, or we could just coast and given the hour and some of the people were already in the midst of saying their goodbyes. We, we opted to just, I think chill. that was wise. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but no, that was nice. I, I wish I had gotten to spend more time there um, to say hello to everybody. In fact, um, Brian Newbury, I didn't even um, know. I, like he was 10 feet from me at the, at the event for a while. I didn't know it was him until the next day when I saw him at the con. So I would I wish I hadn't made that connection there. I would have loved to have chatted with him some more. I had a really nice long chat with Arnie at the at the uh Emporium. It's he's very a, he's, easy to have long chats with Arnie. Yeah, he's a really interesting dude. He's very, very smart, very thoughtful, um, definitely older than his years, uh, and just a dude that's really got control of his life. Um yep. in all aspects. He's in great shape physically, he's 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 financially on an amazingly solid footing. Um, yeah, it's, it's impressive young, young dude and super thoughtful. He gave us all beers as he did as he to do. So, uh, yeah, just incredibly thoughtful guy. So shout and, out to and they were specifically selected for yeah, us. Yeah. I know based on our, 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 recent interests as well. Yeah. He gave me a stout because he had heard that I've been drinking some stouts lately. So yeah, they got me some blonde pale ale. Yeah. Yep. And of course, it's I with the IPA. I got the IPA, some magical unicorn rainbow thing IPA. It was very good. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. Like back at the the Airbnb, we would all just dip into the libations, and we were we were feeling good most of the time. And it was uh, the the euphoria was heightened by that buzzer game show network because it, it just brought out the wisecracking and and the the uh, camaraderie and if you would like to hear one hour one solid hour <laughs> of banter back and forth uh, riffing on these old game shows it's available on our patreon site mm-hmm. yes and you can check it out at patreon.com forward slash one one o'clock comics no mm-hmm. apostrophe and uh, it was it was a lot of fun i i listened to some of it and i had to stop because I would never have edited, I would never get the editing done because I was laughing like an idiot. And <laughs> mostly, mostly at Zach, who was right. feeling no pain at the time. And feeling good. He, Zach is a super intelligent man, and I love him very much. But when the when when things are introduced that enable him to drop the shields that we all put up and the the masks. Zach is even more intelligent. You would think that, you know, you have a couple beers and you you tend to get a little stupid. Zach gets even smarter. <laughs> he, that's his superpower. Queequeg. Yes, he is Queequeg. That guy, that tattooed guy. And uh, it was just so much fun. And and Will is is a genius to begin with. Um, Will Pfeiffer. So uh, the the Ben is super smart. It's like everybody in the in the Airbnb was intelligent, mm-hmm. and, and Mario. And then so I mean wow. we just we just <laughs> <laughs> we just had a ball. That's the thing. the The joy of going to these cons, whether or not I get maximum entertainment value from from the con itself, I I derive a huge. Um, 
bundle of love from just yeah. just hanging with all our friends. You know, that's that's awesome. that is simultaneously my biggest enjoyment and my biggest regret of every con. Because the time does fly. It does. And it does. as and as much as I did spend a huge chunk of the weekend having conversations with people when we're flying home or I'm home thinking back on the con the next few days, I just get these lamentations about conversations I didn't get to have or conversations that I had that were too short or people that were there that somehow I just didn't see. Like I didn't see Carlo Escada at all. Like, I don't know how that's possible. I ran into Jerry McDade literally for like five minutes on Sunday morning, almost by accident because he was making a beeline for the exit um, I thought I saw tons, Jerry. Yeah, tons of other that people that I just didn't even speak to, uh, and, and it's it's not for lack of wanting, right? I mean, I just it, it's it's crazy. I mean, um, well, we need to yeah, plan so, better. We need to plan. We, no, we, but, but that's the thing. Like, I don't like I don't really agree with that because I mean, I, this was a pretty typical con for me in that in that I, I really did spend the vast majority of the daytime at the show. I didn't leave the show for. I mean, we went out for lunch, but. Uh, and I was, I wasn't, I, I wasn't running around with my head down, not talking to people. I was basically engaged in conversation the entire time and there's just not enough time. You know, you, you can't, you, even if you have 10 minute conversations with, with everybody that you see, you're going to run out. You're going to run out of time. You're not going to yeah. see everybody. You're going to miss people. And, and that, that, that bums me out, especially because Chicago isn't a con that we end up going to every year. Um, like we do New York or, or we go to heroes much more frequently. So um, so you do feel like, oh, geez, I, I'm, I don't know when I'm going to see these people next, you yeah. know? Logistically, though, we could set something up on, on the Facebook Messenger where beforehand, hey, are you going to C2E2? Okay, give, let us know. We'll put you in the, the, the group chat. And then say on Saturday, we, we say just a simple message. Meet us in the far corner by the pretzel stand, and we're going to do an EOC conga line. Du, 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 you know what I mean? Du, 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 yeah, that's have, a good idea because it, we do – we do tell people about the get-togethers, like at the Emporium and on all that, and and we do get a core group of friends that hang out there. But you're right; there are lots of other people that have other plans, or they're just there for a day, and uh, it's more catch as catch can. And the one thing I never want to have happen, because it did happen a few times this year in the recap stuff, is people that because we're always telling people before the shows, hey, if you listen to the show and you you see us, please make sure you say hi. We want to meet you. Uh, a couple people essentially apologized to me because they thought I, they were bothering me. At different times, and that bums me out. Oh, I think Nico was one of them. Yeah, yeah, and because that's never the intent. I mean, um, again, it's one of those weird things where if you're engaged in conversation with someone, and then someone comes up to you and says hello, it's a it's a tough balancing act, right? Because you don't want to turn away from the ongoing conversation and start talking to this person solely, but at the same point in time, you don't blow them off. It's a little bit of a balancing act, especially in the heat of the con. But you know, to any of you that may have have met me briefly at this show. And thought for some reason that I was just busy and wouldn't bother me. You weren't bothering me. In fact, I would have loved to have yeah. uh, chatted a bit more. It's just, it's never my intent. I just, you know, it's just tough to balance those things sometimes. Right. Like Dominic Navarro, whose uh, package I detailed two episodes ago, said, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be at the con. Let, and I said, hey, let's go do some back issue diving together, right? And, but I, we, I never, we never hooked up. Right. And uh, that's the thing. Again, because the, the, we don't go to panels, um, for the most part. We we tend not to to go to the panels, and the, the majority of DAP and myself's time there is just either con floor, dealers room, or dealers area, or artist alley. 
mm-hmm. you're going to be there, let us know because I would much rather talk with someone whom you know we know or know through the show yeah. than just wander aimlessly through the dealer's room again, sure, like sure. for the umpteenth time. But I mean, that's why we go to these things. Yeah, I I, I mean, and also um, I I I've become a fairly active member of another Facebook group that deals with with OA Comic OA Sketch the Sketch Boys group. And all of the moderators of that group were all at C2E2, and I had no idea until after the fact. Um, would love to have met them. I was actually at Daniel Govar's table with another collector, just having a bit of a of a of a three way chat. And then it wasn't until after he walked away that Govar let me know that oh, it's a yeah. guy that I talk to on Facebook all the time. He runs the Sketch Price group, um, Patrick Lagua. He runs the group, and and we are mutual fans of one another's collections and. Um, we were standing next to each other and we didn't make the connection, you know? Um, one particular, though, fun shout-out was uh, was was um, uh, Chris Malkevich, who uh, was the... You guys know him as... He was the Chris that came up and um, had shown us that he got his entire jam piece done. Yeah. Yes, so, member of the club. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. It was nice to see, because he literally was chatting with me uh, in the weeks before about how to set up a jam and the protocol for getting squares done and he, how many squares did I think was a reasonable target on a given day. And, uh, and lo and behold, he got the whole friggin' thing done in one week. Uh, oh, one week it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. So i you know, I was thinking about, um, the experiences with the, uh, commissions this time around. There were some people who got commissions that mm, they, they were like, it's all right, you know, it's okay. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the, while the vast majority were the people were very stoked over their commissions and loved them. There was that, that was that percentage that they weren't really happy with them. And I'm thinking for me, now I'm speaking totally for myself as, as because it's coming out of my mouth. Um, I would, if I were in the market to procure art, I am much more likely to buy original pages than, sure. than I am yes. commissions because original pages, you know exactly what you're going to get. They're special to you for a variety of reasons. You, you're familiar with the images beforehand. When you see it in your hands, you know what to expect. Whereas the the commission route, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Now, obviously, if you get a commission from Scotty Young, you know what you're going to get. It's it's going to be superb, right? Because it's Scotty or Matthew Allison or and and then you know, but I don't like the risk involved with commissions. Sure. <laughs> well, it's 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 just to each his own, you know. Oh, exactly. Um, That's why I said in you know in my I estimate, think like, I think like with anything, there's a learning curve. I also think that, that with anything. Uh, you're you know better than David or I. You're an artist. Uh, there there is a subjectivity to the art and uh, and a, and a creativity and it is a balancing act as a collector because while you want what you want, I also think you're more likely to get a great piece if you give them some artistic license. Uh, so it's it's a balancing act because you don't want them to draw it off models such that you're like oh I, this is not what I was hoping for. On the other hand, you don't want them to feel like they're a tracer monkey where you're giving them a, a printout of a comic book page and you're saying they're light boxes for me, right? So, right. It, but you, you're far more liberal with your artistic tastes 
there are people who, should they stray from the model, or when the when the artist uses artistic license and and creates an image that incorporates things that you know may or may not work well with the subject matter, sure. there are people that are be like, "What? I asked and for a daredevil. Like, what is yeah, this?" You yeah, know? Okay. Well, you, but that's that's the yeah. thing, though. You you need to. That's that's not necessarily a buyer beware situation. That that may be someone not doing their research. I wouldn't if if I went up to. Raphael Grandpon asked for a daredevil. I'd expect a very gnarly, wrinkled, wearing right. you know red boxers and lace-up boots era style daredevil. I wouldn't expect a Massey Kelly or a Chichetto daredevil. So you know, don't 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 get something from from you know Riso and say like, well, you know, where's the Jim Lee cross hatches? That shouldn't gonna happen. So, oh, exactly. You have to do your research. But what I'm right. saying is, if if they stray from the mark, like say it. I guess it does come down to research because if you go to Matthew Allison and you say, "Give me a She-Hulk," you know it's going to be a <laughs> grotesquely distorted yes. She-Hulk, right? Yes. Whereas if you went to um, yeah. Mike, Mike Hawthorne or or somebody sure, yeah, who yeah, who right. does uh, or, or you know what you're going to get. So yes, it does involve research, but from I mean I'm not a gambler. For my money, I I I want what I want. I I would. Hazard, I don't even think I would get a commission from Frank Miller, right? Because, <laughs> again, crapshoot, depending on Frank's mood, right? So it's it's that, that variance for me that, that doesn't work. But I have to right. say that Jason has, an, an, and, and DAP too, you guys have an uncanny ability to see things that I don't. You will commission artists... And I'm on the the other side of the table. I'm looking at their banner, and I'm like, "What the hell are you doing? <laughs> that that is not the style of art that I would want a commission of Domino or or of Lobo, right?" And then when you get it, you manage to see things that I don't see in these these artists. And again, because one, I don't pay a huge amount of attention to to an artist that whose name I, I haven't encountered before. But you will take. You will take stabs at things where no, I, I just I just won't. Well, you also it's and and in the weeks months actually, but in the weeks leading up to C two E two, there was a lot of discussion in in our uh, in the Slack channel with, with with the art boys where you know we Vander's a size queen. It's like okay, how much is this going to cost me? And is it an eleven by seventeen? Because if I'm paying you that much. I don't want no nine by twelve nonsense. And then you have others who were like, "Okay, I've checked out Homeboy's Instagram. I get an idea as to what style he's rocking. So I'm going to take a gamble because right now there's a pre-con special where it's normally 120. I'm going to get it for 80. So you know, we there's some bargain shopping going on, but you do have to. You know, it, it is a risk, and and I don't think there's been a convention yet, even even when you know, even if someone's leaving with a dozen or three dozen pieces, not every single one is going to be a home run. Now, now based on the more you get, that average will go down, and and it'll end up being a, a win overall. But you're I don't. I, I don't know if you yeah. can say that that it, just because of sheer bulk that they'll all be winners. 
No, that's what I'm saying. That that, that they won't. You were always. I don't even whether whether it's you know Jason and Heroes last year, or or any of his previous. You know, I'm I'm leaving with with thirty plus pieces. Not everyone, and 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 you know, you may look at it at first and you say, "All right, it's pretty sweet." But then you know, you're you're thinking about it on the plane ride home, and it's like, okay, so I didn't that. Okay, maybe maybe that version is a little skinny for my taste or what's up with, you know, that post. So there, there, and that, that goes down a whole different rabbit hole, but no, not, not everyone is going to be a home run. But if, if, if you end up with 10 pieces and you don't care for three of them, that is not as good an average as if you leave with 40 pieces and don't like three of them. Right. If, if, yeah. Like yeah, if you leave with 40 pieces, you got a damn problem. Hey, I'm just saying. Well, then, uh, I mean, you know, if you want to start up the self-help group for Jason and Justin, by all means. No, I mean, God bless you that that you you are the Medici of, you know of the and, uh, the original art. Props, props to these three for 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 seeking out some of these artists because I think. And 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 granted, you know, heroes. We 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 end up leaving with with some that you know we've never from, from some artists we've never heard of before but i mean did you guys actually break down how many how many artists you hit up this weekend that were actually new to you and and you have first time pieces from them um that's a good question i i got like this is the this i got con. 63 pieces at the con okay <laughs> right i knew Vince was gonna laugh yeah uh, so. Jesus, Mary, and Jill. It's no problem. It's not a problem. No, uh, of course. Yes. Yes. One more bump. Um, One more bump. <laughs> hey, man. It is what it is, right? It is what it is, bro. No, and I love you for it because these. I look at it. Um, I take myself out of my body, and and I'm looking at it from up here. I I see it as you are doing a very good thing. The they're they're artists. They're not making unless you're Scotty. You you know you're not breaking the bank doing doing comics. You you're you're in more often than not just coming out a little ahead or barely breaking even. And it's it's a very good thing that you're adding to that pot. You're saying, yo, I love what you do so much. I'm gonna take the risk from my point of view and commission you to to give me some speak on this piece of paper. Talk to me. And that's great. I mean, the the world needs, the comic world needs more people like you and Dap. That's the only oh, time you're going to hear like, me say that. Like, like, like you, I Justin. Just, I, got, I got pieces from 21 artists for the first time. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that to me, that, that seems like that is a, a personal record. But I don't think you got that many from, from no, people. No, I don't think that's true. Really? Well, at that at the two heroes ago, I got almost eighty pieces, including jams. So I'm sure I got. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. But bring me down. Talk me lot, down. I, I, you know what? And now looking back at it, I think that botched commission I got at Heroes kind of sort of soured me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, mean, I thought it was a sure thing. I can feel it. I mean, I, I, I feel you. <laughs> I, I definitely. I don't. I'm not going to say you're crazy. 
No, the the yeah. the progression that we all go through. Well, m- you guys, you you do your research and you pick your subject and you pick a subject that you think that the the person behind the pen can capture with their unique sensibilities. Right? You're not going to ask Frank Miller to do Power Girl because right. you're going to get a mess. Um, and I thought everything was in line picking a subject that this person could rock and. They they lowballed it and didn't care and blah blah blah. We went over this a million times. Kind of, yeah, kind of phoned it in. But uh, I I I like living vicariously through both of you. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, look, um, this was was in it the first. Even though we've hung out with the Heroes boys uh, at Heroes, uh, Justin took his game to a new level. I think he actually came away with more pieces than I did. And he was really willing to try. I mean, he tried. He got art from a bunch of people that I was like, I'm good. Um, (laughs) And I will say, I think for the most part, the ones he got that I didn't was because I was worried it was going to be busted. And I think for the most part, he he came out on the winning end of that. I think most of them did an excellent job. So uh, he was even more of a risk taker, and I think it paid off for him. But listen, to each his own, right? I mean, I I, I, I think that uh, for me, the intimacy – of the experience is awesome. Um, my bad experiences have never, well, I shouldn't say never, but have rarely been about the finished art piece being something I find aesthetically displeasing. I'm not going to lie and say that's never happened. It, uh, it has happened. I mean, I have, you know, pushing 800 pieces of art. Right, law of averages, but, sure. Yes, but 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 the only times I've had what I would classify as bad experiences, and, and bluntly, you guys may remember, the last time we were at C2E2 was probably my least favorite art experience. I had a couple legitimately bad experiences. Um, we, again, weren't because of the pieces. It was because of the experience of getting the piece. Right. Meaning that I thought the artists were either disinterested or rushed or rude. And that's when it becomes distasteful because for me, uh, every piece I own, particularly commissions, um, even now, 10 plus years into this arc ongoing together, when I look at the piece, I get it's a it's a, a memory chip for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can immediately be brought back to who did the piece, which con we were at, yeah. the events that happened leading up to it, the interaction, and the vast majority are, are luckily positive experiences. So in those rare instances where I have a distasteful experience, I almost don't even want the piece, even if it's an awesome looking piece, because when I see it, I'm reminded of the bad experience. So it's a very visceral – I have a very visceral connection to my art collection, which I'm you sure sh- you're happy to hear once, right? You should. So, you should. Yeah, no, no, no. Right. So I'm saying – so for me, it's not – you know, um, I know even to this day, most of the artists, especially when they just meet first meet me, are stunned that I asked them to sign it to me on the front. They were always like, oh, you sure you want to sign it on the back? And I said, no, no, no sign it to, you know, to Jason on, on the – because I guess they're so used to people buying these things either to flip or at least to have the option to flip – that they view like putting my personal name on it takes away some of the resale value. And I like that. I like to let them know, Hey, listen, I I, I don't intend to this art. I intend to be with me until I die. You know, this is for me. I mean, what happens to it, uh, you know, with my kid, like that's up to them, but I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to throw this on eBay. This is, this is for me to enjoy um, because I like your art. So it's, it's, it's been a great experience for the most part. There, There are occasionally times 
And and honestly, you know, other collectors and I and David's part of this. We we do lament behind the scenes. I'm sure we kvetch about things that bother us. I mean, it is an annoyance that you that you do a pre-show, meaning someone says, "Oh, I'm going to be at this show two months in advance." Right? They say, "Oh, hey, I'm going to be at this show. Um, I'm, I'd love to see you, and I'm taking commissions." So you say, "Okay, great." You you hit them up. Two months in advance, you say, I see you over at the show. What are your rates? Here are the rates. You agree on something. In many cases, you even send them the money for the piece in advance. So they've had your money for two months. And then you get to the show, and there's an expectation that they've done the piece. Now, why is there that expectation? Well, two reasons. One, you've already given them the money months in advance. Two, most artists readily admit that their at-home commissions are going to be better. Because they have more time. At the show, it's very difficult for creators sitting at a table to devote their attention and detail to a piece because they're constantly being distracted. They have signings and panels and people coming up for autographs and people coming up to say hello and they have to stop and eat and they're going back and forth to dinners in a hotel. So it makes sense where if they're at home in their studio and their work environment, they can concentrate on a piece and, 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 do, and do it to perfection. So when you show up to a con and you've paid for something a few months in advance – and they haven't even started it, that's frustrating. But where it gets really frustrating is you've paid for a piece in advance, they haven't started it when you see them on Friday, and then on Sunday at 3 p.m., they still haven't started it. <laughs> yeah, that's that rough. starts to get problematic where the the art-to-patron relationship gets adversarial. And that's where it bums me out. It, it should never be adversarial, right? Like like you said, like I'm doing this. Yes, I'm doing it because I want a piece of art and there's a selfishness to it. But I'm also doing it because I love that I'm helping support their coming to the con. Exactly. And making their nut yep. and being able to have a good time there and not having their wife grip, you know, say to them, Christ, why do you go to these cons? It costs us a fortune. So like there's, there's definitely a symbiotic relationship to it. And on rare instances where that symbiosis is broken and becomes adversarial, that's the suck. Now, again, knock on wood, that rarely ever happens. And I think it doesn't happen a lot because of experience, of being very open and, and, and having very clear and, and succinct conversations with the creators in advance of what we expect from each other. Right. Right. And yeah. I think that does help. I think a lot of times uh, people, especially when you're just starting off, you just think, oh, I want a piece of art and it'll be cool. And you just don't think of the, the logistical issues that can arise from either side. So I think communication is critical to trying to minimize the experiences. But inevitably, if you get as much art as I do, or Justin does, or even, you know, Dap had to, like, there inevitably, there's going to be one or two or ten artists that at six o'clock on Sunday are scrambling to get your piece done. True. It's going to happen. I remember, I don't, I won't mention a name, but I remember one jam piece you got from an artist who was eminently disinterested to the point where getting a sentence out of this person was very difficult. And just so mm-hmm. you know who I'm talking about, it was an artist who normally paints mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful style. And you you commissioned, I believe it was Apocalypse. And it's an amazing jam piece. Oh, it is. It's an amazing jam piece. But this but he person... Gave to, he didn't want to do it. I mean, no. I would... No. Yeah. But see, that's okay. Because I know exactly who you're talking about. But that piece came out great. It did. So you know what? He didn't feel like chit-chatting. That's cool. It's the people that that are all smiles... And they take that Lucini, and then they they almost take advantage of saying, "Oh man, you know, I got I got so busy." Like, like, listen, we're not we hang out with a lot of artists, we drink and party with a lot of artists. Like, so just be honest with me. Like, don't Sunday morning tell me how busy you were drawing in a room all night when we know 
you were at the Marvel party and then you were at the hotel bar. Like, just be honest and say, I was, I, you know, I hung out at a party last night. Sorry, I'm behind. Just be honest. Like, I don't like when people play me for the fool, right? Like, that's all. That's, that's, and again, I don't want to, this is going off on a tangent I didn't intend for because, because honestly, this con in particular was quite, I, I really had almost, I had no problems with anything that happened at this con. There were a few pieces that were done Sunday, but they were very open about that and they all came out great. For So for me, I have no, this was probably one of the more, Seamless and smooth con experiences from Artist Alley, from my perspective. True that. I'm afraid he's short circuited. So. so the Thursday night after Crawls, we won one goal I definitely had. I had a couple this weekend, but one goal I definitely had was that I, I said this this trip would be considered a failure if we did not make it to Firecakes. And I did not expect us to go on the first night, but I am oh, was that the so first glad we did. Oh, I almost yes. skipped over Yes. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, we left Krolls after Daniel right. and Ray and Robert showed up, and um, and because because Daniel had eaten, Daniel had basically, according to Ray, Daniel's flight got in, got to their place, dropped his bags off, they turned around and walked out to meet us at Krolls, so this way Daniel could get a bite to eat, and they 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 ended up scoring something. They, they didn't go where Daniel wanted to go. He ended up going there, I think, Saturday, but um, or maybe it was Friday, but they. Uh, so 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 we all split up. We um, hopped in the Ubers and made our way into town so we could get to fire cakes and a couple of lattes. Oh my god, fire cakes! Them damn donuts. Good <laughs> oh, god, oh god. I, I, I could eat a hundred of them. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. yeah. And I gotta say, I mean, the gods were smiling upon me that night because <laughs> we get there's long ass line. Y'all know I've been dream- I've been dreaming about this Tahitian vanilla donut for three years. <laughs> and we get in line, long ass line, and they got all the donuts out in the case, and you can see a big empty spot. And damned, it wasn't Tahitian vanilla spot. And I keep waiting as the line's moving, waiting for it to restock. No restocking, no restocking. And then um, about halfway up through the line, at this point, Dap and Cliff are already at the front of the line. They're ordering their stuff and everything already. And behind the woman, there's it's a what? Just so people know, this is a small little. Almost pop up type of thing in Chicago. It's 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 one one young woman was working the the store. I mean, it was she was she, there was one person working the store. Um, so behind her, uh, there was a, 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 a like a baking catering thing full of metal trays of donuts that weren't um, out. They were just sitting on the trays, and there was some confusion as to whether they were available for sale. But as we kept moving through the line, I thought, well, how could they not be for sale? Because it's like. 11.30 to midnight at this point. So, uh, I mean, like, they couldn't be for an order because they would be stale the next day. So it had to be, they had to be used. So I noticed as, as, I'm, as I'm moving, there's maybe 10 people still in front of me. I notice on one of the trays, and there's probably eight or nine trays of donuts, on one of the trays toward the bottom in the corner is what looks to be one single Tahitian <laughs> vanilla donut. The donut was going, fuck you, Jason Wood. So I'm watching, and I'm like, no, motherfucker, better notice that donut. <laughs> I'm like, y'all better step 
to not end. Was Vince in, behind you or in front of you? No, I was. That in, is so a move Vince would have done. Oh shit! Yeah, if I knew if I knew there was a donor there, I would have said, "Ah, oh, you know what? I want to try that Tahitian vanilla oh, shit." Oh, yeah. no, no, <laughs> Even though I'd much rather good. have the good. the glaze. I didn't want anybody fronting. So I'm watching. I'm. I got the cold sweats. I got like the Jordan Peele sweats. Hoping nobody notices. And then perfectly, I get up there and nobody had noticed. And I said, "Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me." I think there's a vanilla donut down there in the corner. And she looks. She goes, "Oh, sure enough, there is." Boom, had yeah. it. It was heavenly. Oh, it was so good. You know, so, I wouldn't have actually eaten the donut had no, I, I bought it. I would have just I taunted you with it. Lost it. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. hooked that up. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I got to thank you. I, I forgot to thank David Proust. Mm-hmm. Who, oh. who hooked me up with some pieces to uh, uh, oh. the Transformer Pretender uh, bomb burst? I, sure. I, yeah, he he get he got me two pieces closer to having complete bomb burst, which is oh, awesome. Right. Yeah, as you say, my broken Transformers. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's cool. I like buying them when there's pieces missing. You get them at a deal, and then you can hunt the pieces down. That's right. That's cool. But so, what else do we, are we going to talk so about? Saturday. Saturday was uh, Saturday. Saturday number two. Saturday sucks because it's the day before we have to say goodbye. Well, Saturday was also the crowded day, even yeah. for C2-2. And uh, I felt like you guys didn't spend much time there. In fact, I think you maybe spent two, three hours tops because we came in. Then we went to lunch. We all went to lunch. Had a nice adapt. Found a place nearby, a new craft beer place called uh, Fat Poor. And we all, uh, we and uh, and the North Carolina boys and, and – uh, and Caleb and his husband, um, Ramon, and Ramon all went to um, to Fat Poor to uh, have a nice lunch, and that was great. That was, I mean, the waitress was new; she was new, but but the food was delicious. The beers were delicious. Nachos so that, were awesome. Yep, nachos were great. Um, and then we rolled back into the con, and next thing I know, y'all are texting me saying you were out. So you weren't there for very long, but uh, but I did my thing again. Hmm? Where did we go, Vince? You went back to the to the room. We we left a little early, but it, I, I think we spent a good. I mean, you may be lowballing it. I think we spent a good four hours. Mm-hmm. It was more like three. Okay, <laughs> but either way, I mean that's fine. Um, and then um, Saturday night, we all got back to the to the room, and we we realized it was NCAA tournament Saturday night, Chicago. We didn't have any reservations, so. Uh, kudos to Vandor again, the Chicago boy. Um, he threw out a few places, did some calling around, and we did manage to find a spot that was a, a, a nice restaurant that uh, was able to get all 13 of us uh, a table. So we had a nice get-together. We posted a couple pictures of that little get-together. Had a, The food was on point. It was delicious. Severely. That worked out really well. Yeah, yeah it worked out really well. Um, came back to the crib, did our now infamous book of the month. Um, watched a horrible, horrible <laughs> biopic. Horrible biopic. Oh, come on. True. It's not horrible. It was horrible. It's perfectly in tune with the sensibilities of their listeners. That is fine-tuning okay. a production to, to – it's it's meeting your audience. It's not a great movie. It's n- maybe may not even be a, a well-made movie, but it, I thought it was the perfect vehicle for Molly Crow. Sure. Fair enough. Daddy, uh, don't let them cut me again. And then we woke up crying to ourselves because it was Sunday before we knew it. Yep. Yep. But we did it different this year. And I have to say, we have to, have to triangulate. You know, in the past, we've had flights so early on Sunday that we feel rushed. We can barely go to the con. 
feel like we don't get a chance to say goodbye to everybody. So we we now heroes we corrected that by staying over the next day. Now this time we didn't stay over. We agreed to leave because we didn't have anywhere to stay really or hotel or anything. So we but our flight wasn't until after nine o'clock at night, and I think that was not ideal because we didn't get home until uh, well past midnight. We didn't get back to my house till almost two in the morning on Monday, and uh, you know honestly that was we gave ourselves too much cushion because. On Sunday at the con, it really was essentially just about saying goodbyes, touching base with whoever we may not have gotten to see yet, hugging it out with everybody, um, wrapping things up. And we, because we had so much time, we were able we we stayed at the con pretty much the entire the entire Sunday. But we didn't need to. We could have we could have gotten done what we needed to get done with a few hours to spare. Yeah. So I think in, in retrospect, we maybe should have tried to fly out at like five or six. You know, uh, gotten home at a more reasonable hour, so we weren't as exhausted. But uh, but yeah, you know, Sunday's bittersweet. I mean, I loved. I mean, I love getting to spend time with everybody we got to spend time with, um, and uh, it bums me out. I'm not going to see a lot of them for a good long while. But heroes, hashtag heroes 2020. Yeah, great experience. For me, one of the highlights of of the show was hearing <laughs> hearing you moan over the Motley Crue thing. That was that was the best. You were in pain. You were really, I, yeah. I mean, look, I I have a, I could watch any horror movie with no problem, but real blood or real bi- biology just freaks me out. Like needles, just open wounds. I, I just I can't take it. I'm squeamish. Yeah. A lot of needles so, in the movie. Yeah, a lot of needle, a lot of lot of needles and IVUs and shooting up in between the toes and, uh, just not, <laughs> was, not a fan. It was glorious. <laughs> and and the little girl stuff. I mean, I, I like. I mean, I, that 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 was really sad. She was an awesome actress, probably the best best actress, best actress, actress in the th- yeah. best actor in the thing. Yeah, yeah, by far. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So C Two E Two is like our in a way, it's like our home show. Yep. Because we got all our tattoos there. It was our first big con together. We set up at Artist Alley when they had our podcast alley. Um, you know, it's it's when we. It's it's the show that we realized, at least for me, I think I'm speaking for you both too. It's the first con that I realized that there was something to this little podcast of ours beyond us just getting together to talk comics, right? It's like I, I was agree. like, oh wow, this is this is bigger than us. Like this is the thing, and it's never it's never changed from that. Yes, you you are correct. So we are the latest iteration in this thing called comic fandom. And I bring this up for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because if if we're all done with the formalities and the, the recollections for C2E2, I got a game. Oh. A little, little bit of a game. I don't know if you want to play, but I'm just going to wow. shoot it out there. Okay. Um, and it's tied to C2E2 because one of the things um, that I look for when Dap and I are, are trolling the, uh, the dealer's room is I make a point of trying to never leave a convention without a fanzine of some sort. More often than not, it's RBCC, which for the uninitiated stands for Rockets Blast Comic Collector. There were two fanzines, Rocket Blast and Comic Collector, that merged into one. And as far as fanzines go, it's legendary. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I always leave with a bunch of RBCCs, and this con was no exception and then we mm-hmm. didn't we didn't go down our list of what we what we got, but we we can go back to that if you want. 
I left with a bunch of RBCC, so I'm going through them, and I encountered one article in RBCC 103 that I thought, hey, this would make a pretty cool game, mm -hmm. a guessing game on your parts. Okay. Um, uh, the fanzine was edited by GB Love and assistant edited by James Van Hise, two names that have become synonymous with fanzines. It was printed in October 1973. Okay. Remember that because it, it's a time frame that is crucial to your answers. So the article in question is called The Ten Most Powerful Men in Comics. Okay. I want you to see if you can guess who made the list in 1973. And bonus points, if you could tell me for the what reasons these, these men have made the list. Some are obvious, right? Comics in 1973. Who's going to be on this list? I'm guessing Neil Adams. Yeah, that would be our first guess. Neil Adams is number nine. Okay. But not for the low. reasons that you would expect. Well, okay. if it's not for... Green Lantern and Green Arrow, I would think it would be for Avengers. Well, here's the, the premise with Neil Adams. Number nine, everyone appreciates Neil Adams as an artist and a writer, but no editor will assign him regular work with or without the proverbial 10-foot pole. No editor will assign Adams deadlined work even with Ed Wynn's 11-foot pole. The reason? Neil Adams misses deadlines with chronic regularity. Wow. Yeah, but they they included Mr. Neil Adams for the very fact that he's a rebel. That's why he made the, the, miss, the list. He's a rebel who goes against uh, established procedures for um, publishers, and he fought mm -hmm. for creators' rights and that's why Neil Adams makes the list, but not because he revolutionized the art form. I mean, okay. I'm sure I'm sure that's included in the thinking of the the person who selected these. But mm -hmm. for this, in this instance, he made the list because he's a rebel. Okay. Well, uh, Stan and Jack have to be on the list. Stan was number four. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and they're not too kind to Stan. Stan Lee is in trouble as far as wielding effective comic power. Much has gone awry since he gave up the de facto responsibility for editorial content several years ago. Mm. And they, they, they say, you know what? Stan has made a lot of mistakes. Uh, the magazine line is not all that great. Um, it pales in comparison to Warren, but they do honor Stan's past accomplishments. They, they think he was better when he was writing and editing than when he just became the figurehead. But they do not discount his power within the comic industry. So he's number four. Jack was number eight because Ooh. of his New God's work. And they, they do call him the greatest comic book artist ever put pen to paper, which I do agree. So I'll give them number eight. Any other uh, guesses? Roy Thomas? No. Didn't make the list, at least not the top ten. Uh, I guess he would come a few years later then, in terms of importance. This is seventy three. He was on the rise in seventy three by because yeah, so if when once Stan years, right? yeah once Stan stepped down, Roy filled the the void. So yeah, this right. is the time of Roy Thomas. Uh, John Bashima. Nope. It's a bogus listener. Um, 
well, it's, oh, the, uh, Carmen Infantino. Number one. Ooh, Number yes one on the sir. list. Yep. Yes sir. And and they say um, Carmine Infantito, as publisher of United Periodical Publications, is the head of the most financially stable company in comic book business. How about that? And they give him major props for number one canceling Green Lantern, Green Arrow as a very bold move. That while critically lauded, the magazine was not moving copies units okay and he they the, but the most props they give him is for making wonder woman uh celebrating the feminist agenda it's it says wonder woman is priceless as a licensing property and thus will never be canceled well <laughs> it's imperative to keep wonder woman comics alive just to keep wonder woman visible so infantino had denny o'neill revamp the character to hype sales. When that failed, he called in Bob Kaniger to revive the original Wonder Woman. And this time, he came back as the hero's hero of a woman's liberation. So even though his initial gamble had failed, he he seemed to try. Well, wow, that's a weird sentence. His second try has been fabulously successful, publicity-wise, if nothing else. So yeah, Carmine's number one. Okay. So um, you, so you got you got Carmine, Stan, Jack, and Neil Adams. That's got four out of ten. Levitz. No. No. Um it's powerful, right? So it's not like guys like Harvey Picard would be on there, right? No, no, no. Like no Mark like Wolfman is on there, is he? Nope. No. Oh, Mark? your boy your boy's gotta be on there. Warren. Number two. James Ooh, Warren. Man. Yep. <laughs> Um, for for producing for uh, igniting uh, 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 an area of the newsstand distribution what, that was non-existent, he single-handedly championed the magazine format, and um, they also say that the Warren covers are graphically far superior to what Marvel was putting out, and and us um, Skywald, and of course Erie Publications, which I don't quite. Disagree. I, I I don't agree with that, but they they give it up for James Warren. Like the, this is a rah rah. Good job, James. Yeah, and they they make a point of saying, you know, not the nicest guy in the world, but <laughs> you can't front on what he accomplished. So you got one and two. Who do you think's number three? Oof. You'll never get it. So I'm just going to tell you. Okay. Sal Harrison. Yeah. D- okay. DC's production manager. Interesting. Uh, isn't he just kind of like a Cog in the wheel? Ah, uh, yeah, but there's no doubt that Harrison's production staff is comic book's best. National's books are better produced than any others. Colors are sharp and clear, the lettering is uniformly professional, and their mm-hmm. covers are first-rate. It's been said that Harrison runs a tyrannical ship, but there's no doubt that his ship is the most important and most productive in the business. So, yes, there's a slant towards D.C., I'll say Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So you got, now you have one to four. Number five, I'll give you two because you're never going to get it. Okay. John Goldwater. Oh, Archie. Yes, the owner of Archie Comics. He Not only does he own Archie Comics, he's also the president of the CMAA, Comic Magazine Association of America. At the time, 
Archie was the highest selling comic bar none. Oh, that makes sense actually. Yeah. Yep. So they they he's got a lot of clout with the newsstands and yeah. Mm-hmm. Six is weird. Number six okay. is the distributors. Like, just <laughs> as a unit. Yes. That's so whack. how would we ever go to guess that? Uh, right, and it's it's a, it's a crazy inclusion. Um, retailers make twenty five cents per copy on Playboy, and the same on Gallery, Wee, and Penthouse, and several others. Mm-hmm. All these, ma- remember Wee? Oh yeah. All these yeah, magazines we. sell well within the millions, and Playboy selling over seven million. By contrast, comics rarely exceed three hundred thousand per month. Well, and- interesting, right? Because like even in the seventies, we'd gotten to that point. Because you know we like to talk about oh, back in the day, comics sold millions of copies, but even in the seventies, man, they weren't flying off the shelves yeah but the reasoning for including distributors is distributors are in a similar position they too must choose between the high price high sales magazines and comic books so with existing conditions distributors hold vital power in the comic book industry if distributors decide to play down comics and push them to the back of retailers racks there is little comic book publishers can do other than cut down on the number of titles produced and raise the prices of remaining magazines so they're giving Mm -hmm. it up for the clout that distributors have right any guess on number seven uh god i feel like i got a bunch already damn um i'll (laughs) give i'll give you a clue i mentioned the publishing company from which this man came and i'll give i'll give you another clue back to marvel i've mentioned his name a bunch of times over the years oh your boy um what was his name uh saw something saul brodsky you are knocking it out of the park my man saul brodsky came from skywald back He, he was at marvel then he left to, in a dick move and and challenged Warren on the newsstands with Skywald couldn't do it um, came back to Marvel became production chief so they're giving it up for Saul for the very same reason they gave it to his companion Saul Harrison at DC mm. that he's production manager and um, they say that he's even though he fumbled with Haunt of Horror and Monster Madness um, he's trying different things different formats and it's it's more like giving him the benefit of the doubt rather than mm-hmm. for what he actually did. And um, last but not least, I will give you a clue. It is not a publisher or a man associated with a publisher per se. It is a man associated with all of comics. Oh, Eisner? Nope. No, no, no. He's not an artist or a writer. All of comics. Um, Bill Gaines? No, no, but <laughs> Gaines suffered uh, from the 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 uh, establishment of this, and it's Leonard Darwin who, who was acting administrator of the Comics Code. Oh Christ! I would you never, I would yeah. never guess that. And they say they they put him at number ten because his power was waning. Because there, okay. there's a percentage of of uh, fixes that were done 
in the years before, like they say like 30% or or 40% of books went back to the creators to fix something, whereas in this year it, it went down drastically. So he he's like he had very little to do because the country was becoming more um, liberal, more accepting of of various things. They, they say about Marvel's skirting the comics code with Amazing Spider-Man. So if if a publisher could willingly skirt the comics code and mm-hmm. still get the books on the newsstand, what is this guy's purpose anyway? But I, they're giving him props for previous years because initially the code was very powerful. I mean, they could kill a book if they if it, they they thought it didn't meet the the uh, extremely malleable uh, conditions of the code. But yeah, they Leonard uh, Davin was or Darwin was number Darwin. 10. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that one. All right, well, that, we didn't do too bad. No, this is great. See, nice. this is this, this list is one of the best indicators to show Jason's growth on this show. No kidding. He, Mike Allred, who that? Yeah, yeah. So T, I'm just going to run them down for people playing at home. Number one, Carmine Infantino, followed by James Warren, Saul Harrison, Stan the Man Lee, John Goldwater, the distributors, uh, Saul Brodsky, Jack Kirby, Neil Adams, and Leonard Darvin. And our, I'm sure our lists would be far different. You know what's interesting? Of all the people on that list, the the one on that list that's still legit powerful is Steve Jeppy. Steve Jeppy's not even on the list. He's one of the distributors. He said distributors. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm saying he went from being the distributors to being the distributor. Right. <laughs> all, all caps. None of those other guys are, man, well, they're almost all dead at this point. In right. Fact, are, in fact, other than Neil Adams, are they all dead? Mm. Infantino dead, right? Stan and Jack dead? Yes. I don't know about that. I don't know about the, I assume Saul Brodsky's got to be dead. Goldwater is. Warren's dead. Yep. So, yeah, wow. But the distributors at this time meant newsstand. There was right. yeah, there was no okay. direct market. Diamond didn't exist in the seventies. I don't think seventy three. No. Okay. Okay. No. So I stand corrected. But he does fit that bill. So yeah, and you, you're not incorrect. Steve Jeppe is a distributor, just not yeah. in the arena that you know the newsstand right, right. because the mm-hmm. newsstands don't exist unless you're in an airport. That's true. Yeah. But is that fun? Uh, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, and uh, so a fanzine flashback. And a little mm-hmm. bit of a game. Love yeah, it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. So what else do we... Uh, do you want to run down a list of, of all of the uh, pieces you procured? Or do you, you know? No, I'll, no, I'll, I'll post... Um, I have, I've been super busy this week. I haven't been able to scan anything in. But I'll scan it all and I'll post it on the group. I'll post it in the Facebook group and on the Patreon. Right. And in the CAF gallery. But uh, no, it was awesome. I mean, um, the, the only... You know what? Really, the... Um, the only specific art piece I wanted to call attention to was for other reasons, and that is that uh, among the myriad of things that I got uh, this show, pre-show, and including one of the the new, the 21 new artists, is um, I arranged for a domino commission from Tana Ford. Ah. And uh, those of our listeners may not know the name, maybe they do, but Tana was the uh, main artist on the Marvel Silk series, the spider character Silk, 
And then more recently, and, and where we did mention her, she is the co-creator of LaGuardia, a book that both David and I have talked about since its launch. It's it's one of the first of the Burger books, Karen Berger's new imprint. Uh, of course, Karen Berger being the uh, the creative backbone of Vertigo and its heyday. Um, so I was familiar with Tana's work. Um, didn't know her personally at all. But when I went to her table to pick up um, to pick up my piece, it was truly one of the most heartwarming experiences I've ever had at Artist Alley. And, I, and in deference to the moment and to uh, you know her, I'm not going to get into details about the conversation, but but I will say that that um, she has been a listener of the show since the very beginning. And she has tremendous love and affinity for the three of us crazy fools and had just, and you guys know this cause we've already talked about it, but she had just incredibly kind words to say about uh, the show and, 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 and gave, gave the show credit in a way that um, just blew my mind, you know, because again, I think we do this mainly for ourselves and we do it to have fun. And while I know, at this point, we're not, you know, no humble brag. We know we have reach. I, it's nice to know that we have impact. And uh, so one of the big regrets, unfortunately, is that I, I desperately wanted you guys to come back and meet her, too. She wanted to meet you both as well. And somehow we just kept not running into her. On Sunday, she unfortunately was tied up with um, signings and a panel. And we just never got to see her. But I did speak to her after, and she she was super bummed that she didn't get to meet you guys. But I think it's safe to say that we will be having her on the show at some point this year. Yeah. Um, which for her, she said, is a dream come true. She was even joking that she's already thinking about what her drink will be for the drink roll call. <laughs> so she's an OG listener from way back. So nice. super cool because I, I literally solicited her having no idea she even knew of the show, much less I was a lifelong listener. So it was very, very neat. I'm kind of bummed I didn't get to meet her. But Same. like yeah, you said, yeah. so she was with the panels and, and stuff, and she's in demand. So um, better she does that than, than you yeah. know meet with us. But yeah, one of these days, I would love to to just shake her. Yeah. Her hand. And just before we talk about any comics, I did also want to give a a thank you. We didn't do our our thank yous at the upfront. At least I didn't. Um, I did receive today when I got home from a very long day at work in a beautiful brown envelope. Uh, waiting for me was my copy of Atomic Tales of Escape. By Mr. Daniel White. Nice. One of, our, one of our compatriots who uh, was with us all weekend. So he's yeah, family. It's a beautiful package. Yes. It's yes. family. Yep, yep. Are we gonna talk about any comics or are we gonna wrap this up? Oh, hey. I have uh, a comic, but it's a tad long winded because I love the shit out of it. Well, you have to be curious as to why I introduced myself as Gilbert Hernandez, considering that I'm on the record as, as being someone who hasn't particularly been um drawn to love and rockets <laughs> tell me what you read <laughs> i read in all of its wonderful puerile glory birdland oh i should have known damn it damn it <laughs> lord tell me <laughs> for those that don't know Birdland was a comic created by Mr. Gilbert Hernandez. I can't believe you finally read Birdland. I know, I know. Featuring 
featuring, as I've later found out, many characters that appear in in more normal versions in other uh, of his works, including some Love and Rocket stuff. But but Birdland was uh, a miniseries, three issue miniseries published in late 1990, early 91, and then a follow up one shot in 1994. I have a collected edition, which is long out of print, it's been sitting on my shelf for a long time. Eros. Yes, and uh, by Eros, and uh, as you might guess, if you're if you're an OG like us, Eros would imply it is in fact a pornographic comic. So, full disclosure: if any of you are listening to this in your cars with your children, you might want to hit the stop button now because this comic is unabashed, unapologetic, without any lack of uh, of of uh, of there's there's no there's no disputing that it is a over-the-top porn pornography comic. Yeah. Mm. It is, and, and and I am so tickled at the idea of one of the legendary living creators like Gilbert Hernandez that he made this comic. I had no idea. I, I I don't understand how they got him to make this comic. Oh, I do. It makes me want to read Love and Rockets now. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of that in Love and Rockets, but not to the degree that's in Birdland. But the deal was... Gilbert and Jaime did Love and Rockets for Fanagraphics. Fanagraphics needed money. So okay. the, the Eros imprint was to generate money to funnel into more aesthetically, well, I don't want to say that, to, to the, the top level Fanagraphic stuff, the risky stuff, mm-hmm. the, the art books and the, the, uh, um, small, you know, the, the small press style books where Gary just thought, hey, let's publish some porn. People love porn. Yeah. We'll, we'll sell copies. And they did initially. The- well, I got to tell you, I mean, listen, I, I've talked about porn comics on the show before. Uh, it, I loved it. I thought it was great. It, it was so raw, so ridiculously over the top. The story revolves around a number of characters, mainly uh, Bang Bang and Inez, who are a, a, a blondage-like stripping duo. Um Mark Herrera, who is a lawyer, uh, and then his wife Fritz, who is a psychotherapist with a very strange lisp. Mm-hmm. I don't quite get what that's all about, mm-hmm. but um, I found that a little off-putting, but uh, but a small price to pay. Um, in any event, uh, the, the comic is it, it, basically they and a number of other characters, including Petra, and then Mark's brother, whose name escapes maybe Simon, is that his name? Yes, yeah, Simon. Um they all have sex with each other, and we're talking like penthouse comics, full-on throbbing, penetrative, vaginal, anal, oral sex with with literally like like volcanic levels of 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 semen ejaculation. Yep. I mean, like every other page is basically a a gigantic uh, seminal ejaculation like i mean <laughs> like in a i mean like literally like painting the walls yep um and there's not much of a plot right i mean ultimately it's that they all basically have some kind of interrelationship um mark somehow can't get his wife fritz to have sex with him but fritz is a psychotherapist and she's she would hypnotize her patients and then have sex with them while they were hypnotized but she doesn't want to have sex with him but she is having sex with 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 his brother simon Meanwhile, Mark is having sex with three other women. Those women are having sex with each other. One of those women is having sex with his brother, too, who's having sex with Fritz. Um, it all starts in the beginning with Bang Bang as a little girl, basically, who who is an alien. She's an alien abductee. 
Um, now, at some point, the aliens come back and abduct them all and have this massive pansexual orgy in space. Um, at one point, they all change genders, but still have sex. Um, it's, you know, it, it is just over-the-top, raw sexuality and humor. Um, it, you know, it, it, it just basically... Um, it, it was um, it was crazy. It was crazy and fun, and um, I just can't believe that this has existed all this time and been on my shelf, and I didn't realize what what it was. And man, it's I wish we had more. I wish there was more than four issues. Yeah, I wish he that he we I wish he ever got the urge to revisit this this whole idea. Um, it's yeah, it was fun. It was titillating, and we should get my wife to read it, but <laughs> she I don't think she'd go for it, but. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I I know you guys have read this a long time ago, so um, I don't even remember if you ever talked about it on the show. I don't remember if you did, but um, no, I don't think I don't not think in any did. great detail. Yeah, it, yeah in but, passing, but, it's been. Made. But wow, is it just totally over the top and and fantastic? Yeah, one of the things I respected about Hernandez's approach to pornography was the standard stuff is present, but you also have women and women, guys and guys. I was like. This is cool. Well, also, the, I mean, a lot. I mean, a lot of anal. I mean, yeah. Well, that was a central part of the story. I mean, pretty, pretty in Gilbert's mind, every woman was craving anal sex. Right. Which, you know, it's outlandish, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not real world, but what what porn movie is real world? And the um, it it it's a a well made porno movie, right? The you 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 said the plot's pretty thin. That's kind of standard, right? Yeah. For, for for porno, sure, but uh, it's probably the best drawn comic porno I've ever seen, next to Wendy Whitebread Undercover Slut, you know, which was published by Eros as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's not there's there's not too much depth to it. It, it is what it is, and that's kind of what I appreciated about it. Just right. Was him saying, you know what? If I'm going to do a porn comic, I'm going to do a porn comic. Like I'm going to get raw, and uh, he got raw. Exactly. It's very good so, stuff. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Tap. What'd you read? I um, I didn't really get to read anything that uh, that I brought home, um, but I did. I was, uh, so a couple of quick hits, I was, there was a pretty big cliffhanger at the end of American Carnage number four, and I don't think Jason is current, so I'm not going to say anything about issue five. Oh, you oh, did? five. Oh, oh. Yeah. Um, but five was a, um, five was a punch to the gut. I read a almost silent issue except for the last couple pages of Batman, um, which was awesomely illustrated by Lee Weeks. Um, and there was a, like caught up on Guardians of the Galaxy, and I, I'm not going to talk about this tonight, but I did, uh, the patrons who got to hear my ramble on the drive to Jason's last week. I finally um, finished Matt Wagner's Mage trilogy, and that's all I'm going to say right now. I'm not going because okay. because not everybody else has read it. So mm-hmm. um, the patrons 
have small ideas as as to how I feel. Um, but definitely go into it later. And I uh, actually one thing that um, well the the books that I picked up last night I did not get to read yet, but Dilate for Hero looks really interesting. I picked up the second issue of GI Joe Sarah Muerte and the recent issue of Superior Spider-Man. But uh, before we recorded tonight, I finished, I think it was last week or the week before, but Captain Marvel number three, where she is still uh, trapped uh, behind a barrier on Roosevelt Island. And in the second issue, She-Hulk was falling from the sky. Um, So Jen is in this issue. There's been, uh, there's a little bit of twists and turns, um, uh, Sam, who appeared, uh, who had escaped from the uh, the nuclear man stronghold, um, he comes clean to a degree, and um, and the last page of the third issue is pretty much spoiled by the cover of the fourth issue. But that last page is because I. If, if it's a book that's on my pull list, I really don't bother with the solicits or the covers, so I don't really... I didn't know this was going to happen, but the last issue of the third... The last page of the third issue um, makes me wish I had the fourth issue right now because it uh, looks like we're going to have a battle that... Um, um, it's not a new battle, but it was one that uh, I kind of really wasn't expecting because now I want to know how this character got to the island, but... Uh, yeah, there's just been a few things that um, that I've tried to get through, um, just so that uh, since since our little our adventures are, are at an end for now, and and now I can get back into reading for uh, for the show again. I do have a bunch of issues of Amazing Spider-Man to catch up on, but um, yeah, nothing. Nothing really to um, just quick hits as far as, you know, things that I've read, but nothing in great detail just because not everybody is uh, is caught up. So I'd rather discuss it when uh, when we can tag on things. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Well, among the stack of stuff that I brought back now and and Dap and I also use the. the FedEx service within the uh, the convention center to to ship books back because we didn't want to have to pay a whole bunch of money for our uh, overweight luggage. Um, I did get uh, there were there was deals to be had, uh, especially on trade paperbacks. I I got trade paperback versions of the Kirby Genesis books, which I already have, but five bucks a pop for a trade, not a bad deal. But one of the books that I bought, I have been looking for this thing forever. That's a long time, right? And yes, I could have just fired up the my comic shop and got an issue real quick. But I don't do stuff like that. I wait for the book to come to me. Finally, the book passed. You know, it, it was in my field of vision at C2E2, and I done bought it. And um, it was published in January 1976 by DC. It was created by Joe Simon, Jerry Grandinetti, 
an artist whom I'm infatuated with. Wasn't so back in the day. Hated his work when I was a kid. Love his work now. So I, either I've grown or I've seen something in his work that I didn't see as a, as a sprout. I love Jerry Grandinetti's work. And um, Craig Flessel. And it's part of that DC First Issue Special series. Remember those? The DC First Issue Specials? Um, Atlas was one of them. The only First Issue Special that ever spun out into its own ongoing series was what, David? Um, not, no, you know this. You know this. I do know this, and I don't know why the hell I'm drawing a blank. Warlord. Oh, yeah. Was the only one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this one, unfortunately, exists only in one issue. It sucks because when you hear it, uh, the details of it, you're going to be like, why is this not an ongoing series? Well, because all the principals are are dead. But um, it's called The Outsiders. It's issue number 10 of the first issue special. It is absolutely insane. This book is insane. It is wacky, wonderfully so. But now remember, this is one issue I'm going to tell you about. Regular-sized issue. Begins in 1970, right? You got a rocket called Alpha Zero, and it's going to Venus. Now, this, this rocket is touted as an unmanned space probe, but it's anything but that. There's two guys inside this rocket, two astronauts, and they're sent on a, a black ops mission to investigate, and I quote, mysterious laser signals coming from Venus. The government thinks that these laser signals may be the, the solve-all for all of mankind's problems, right? Including cancer. It's going to solve the cancer. So on board the ship is a surgeon, Legendary surgical prowess, right? His name is Doc Goody. (laughs) (laughs) Doc Goody sent to Venus um, to to make sense out of these mysterious laser signals. And the ship gets in proximity of Venus. And Doc Goody screams because there's turbulence. There's turbulence in space, right? Um, The craft rocks all over the place. It eventually smacks right into Venus crash and when i'll show you the panel it's ridiculous there's a a, an arc on the corner of the panel and you see the ship smacking into the arc like what the hell's going on the planet venus is gigantic and yet we see the arc of the planet and the, the ship smacking into it so doc goody's a mess his, his compatriot uh, apparently died upon impact because we don't see or hear of this Colonel Markey again. Doc Goody's a mess. His bones are shattered. He's minutes away from death. And you see strange hands emerging from out of panel. And they pull him from the, the busted craft. And they do some kind of Venusian operation on him. They replace his broken bones with plastic and mechanical parts. And they, it said he becomes a cybernetic. <laughs> but because the Venusians have never seen an Earthman before, they, they stitch up his busted face in a style of which they are familiar. There. So they make him look like a Venusian. And his face is a grotesque 
parody of a human face. He's he's all shriveled. His eyes are real big, and he, upon mysteriously arriving back on Earth, doesn't know how he got there, wandering around. His he has to change his name because he's not Doc Goody anymore. He becomes Doc Scary because he's because he's scary looking, right? He's a cybernetic, but because he's a cybernetic, he can perform surgeries faster and better than before. He's got the metal in him. He's got the cyber shit, and but he can't very well walk around a hospital looking like a freak, an outer space monster. So he wears a latex mask of a handsome dude, and he does his little surgeries, and then he goes underneath the surface of the hospital where he has his his doc scary bat cave and that's where the outsiders reside right so this issue is basically a a series of of origin stories wrapped up in a framing sequence that makes absolutely no sense and I'll, i'll explain that in a second so you got doc scary he's the focal point of this issue and he's the leader of the outsiders right society's cast offs they're hated they're ridiculed they're tortured and they go by many names. You got Lizard Johnny. Lizard Johnny. He's a four-armed, anthropomorphic lizard. And he was pulled from the, 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 the brink by a fisherman named Ahab Smith. <laughs> the dude's name is Ahab Smith, right? So Smith, Smith pulls it out of the... He reels it out of the water. He's like, what the hell is this? This is weird. I got to take it to a hospital. Uh, whatever and just so happens that the hospital he brings it to is doc scary's well doc goody because he's got the mask on doc goody's hospital and doc goody's colleague wants to kill it he's like this thing is fucked up i'm gonna kill it and doc goody's like no you're not and so the the lizard johnny has a defense mechanism he's a lizard right his tongue stuns and or possibly kills the person it touches so the the associate goes down doc goody says don't cry little man i'll take you and i'll raise you right so you have lizard johnny you got amazing ronnie ronnie is a green four-armed cyclopean creature but he's really good at close combat because he's got four arms right you have mighty mary and if i i'll set the template mighty mary looks like big barda Above the neck, she has the face of a supermodel. She's gorgeous, blonde, beautiful, right? Below the neck, she's proportioned like Barda, but she has orange scales and flippers for hands. And at one point in the issue, she's behind a wall. She peeks her head out the wall, and the guy's walking by like, ooh, look at that, she's beautiful. And then they they come up to her, and she, she steps out, and she goes, aha! And she can beat the shit out of them because she mesmerized them with her face. And then they were bad people to begin with. The face. You got Harry Larry. This thing, this this person who's incredibly grotesque, he's got a little bit of a shock monster going on. He's got wild hair, and he's got one eye that's much larger than, and more starey than the other eye, right? But Larry's bonded to this little space-age go-kart. He never leaves this little go-kart. He can't leave it because he's connected to it. It's like something from the Wacky Races, right? And there's a railing built onto the back of the contraption, and when danger hits... The outsiders, they jump on the back of this go-kart and they grab the railing and scary Harry Larry backs into this thing called the contact lab 
It's ridiculous. And it's like transform and roll out. Okay, we got our trailer. Let's go into battle. But there's one outsider I didn't tell you about. And his presence ties into the weird framing sequence that th- this issue has. When the issue opens, right, Doc Scary and the gang, they're watching TV. And this news uh, cast comes on. And the guy, the guy says, oh, there's this terrible, hideous, grotesque monster that the citizens are rallying against. They got their pitches and their 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 pitchforks and their torches and they're going to bring this monster down and so the outsiders are like shit we better get there and help this this thing out because it's a freak like us and you know we're all about the freak love so they get there and there's this person named billy his name is billy everybody else in the book gets cool names like harry larry and mighty mary and this thing's called billy they they, they get up to billy and it's this little man it's a little person that has a gigantic bald head see there was this tailor named old man lundy and he never left his shop always working always in the in the window of his shop doing his tailor thing and so these ne'er-do-wells think yeah this old man lundy never leaves his tailor shop what's up with that he must have a mint in there he's got probably has all his money in the in the tailor shop somewhere because he never leaves to spend money right so let's go in and rob the guy and they go in and they're like where's your money and old man lundy's like i don't have any money and they're like yeah you do you never leave your shop so they shoot him and they they notice this trap door in the floor they pick up the trap door what's downstairs billy this thing has a gigantic head and they're they're bashing the guy's head with with clubs and it's not doing anything because billy's head as it says in the book is thicker than a steel door Right? So somebody throws a lantern and everything burns and that's where the the book effectively begins. But the thing that confuses the shit out of me is that we're given Billy's origin story halfway through the book. When the book starts, they go to get Billy and then all the origin stories start piling up, but they leave out the the real cool origin stories. Like We don't get origins for everybody in the book, just the ones that they thought were important. And they give Billy's origin story... But the end of the thing, the end of the comic is where it really gets wacky. So they show the broadcast. That's the first panel. The, the, on the first opening of the book, they show the same panel at the end that the outsiders are going to go save Billy. But there's a splash uh, and Billy's already part of the group. It's weird. How could they save the the billy and he's already part of the damn group it just doesn't make sense right it's so strange this book is weird but that's the thing it's so weird like you'll ne- if you read this thing you will never ever never forget it. it it it's off the wall bonkers and it's a lot of the i mean it's just joe simon saying let's get as screwed up and weird as we possibly can aided and abetted by jerry grandinetti who's a very very weird artist to begin with like it looks like Harvey Kurtzman with a more with a thinner, more exacting line, but it's still it's in that Harvey Kurtzman mode when it, it's very expressive, very all over the place. The character designs are awesome, but there's there's a reason why nothing ever became of this because as far as the the GP, the general public of comics readers, this would go over but like a lead balloon. But I love it and I finally got it, and unfortunately, I have to. To, to put images in the, the gallery that accompanies this episode. There's a couple images online for this book, but if I wanted uh-huh. to put more, I'd have to scan it. 
and unfortunately my scanner's busted. So I'm going to I'm going to rely on the goodwill or the good work of other people to show you a mere glimpse of this. But if you ever ever see this book in a back issue bin, don't even think, just grab it because it is going to be one of the most offbeat weirdest thing you ever read. And mm-hmm. if I could eat this and gain its power, I would. <laughs> I love it so much. It is so strange. This was the number one thing I pulled at the con. Nice. Bar none. That's awesome. Bar none. Yep. The um cost me a buck. The Yeah, and, and, and like I said earlier, you know, as far as deals yeah, the cheapest you'd be able to get a book for back issues were were basically uh a buck. I mean if you bought in bulk you get like you know, twenty five books for twenty bucks, but um there were no you know three or four for no, dollars. None right? of that. No. Yeah. Um but I did I was able, you know, th- th- there were a couple of deals to be had. I did snag the uh, Silver Age Teen Titans Omnibus, which I think retails for a hundred bucks. I got it for forty, thirty-nine dollars. Um, and as far as magazines, like Vince mentioned, there was one guy where he picked up, where Vince picked up the RBCC books. Um, I grabbed comics book number two. The Comics Journal number 62, which has a, uh interview with DC's newest editor, Dick Giordano. Uh, the Comics Journal number 125, which has an awesome interview with Burke Breathed, of course, of Bloom County fame. I finally now own The Savage Sword of Criminal, because I never ordered it when it was out the first time. Um, and there's a magazine that I had so long ago... Um, that did not come with me during my various moves. And it is called the comics times. The comic times is the third issue. Um, it has an interview with George Perez. And to give you an idea as how old this, this, this magazine is, it has a, um, it has a George Perez checklist and it's barely a full page at this time. The most recent item on it uh, would be the new Teen Titans number six. So that is how old this magazine is. Um, actually, I don't even see it from 1980. So I picked that up. Uh, there was Hero by Will Pfeiffer, uh, which unfortunately I did not get signed. So Will, we'll have to see you again this year. Um, and Vince and I, which we will try to read for next week, uh, the first three issues of Tap Dance Killer from Hero Tomorrow Comics. Yep. Ted Sikora and company. Did you know that that's a, that's a spinoff from Apama? Yes. Yeah. I had a feeling. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and before we end with the thank yous, um, I have to thank Mr. Robert Hafferman because at the uh, at Emporium he had his uh, the non-official handbook of the wrestling universe. Yeah, to, love that uh, cover. To hand out. The cover is awesome and and the art inside uh is by Robert and Harry Moyer. They they take turns um drawing wrestlers you're familiar with but changing the names to protect the guilty and uh it's it's basically an Ohatmu for uh for wrestlers and um 
Yeah, I just and and I think oh Vince might say this was my deal of the show. Uh, I picked up Amazing Spider-Man number ninety-nine, which is Panic in the Prison, with art and cover by Mr. Gil Kane, and I pretty much got it for a song. So it was not a bust. I did. I, I also the only pops I left with were um, a two-pack of. Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Yep. Good stuff. Damn it! Ray's team have destroyed Young and his headquarters. We must rebuild my empire. Taoist, will you help me? Certainly. I'll help you to restore your status again. But first, we must get rid of that robo-warrior. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Drop your weapons in 15 seconds. 15, 14, 13, 12, 11. Before we do the inner travels, I was I was wondering if you guys uh, caught the news this week that uh, IDW has hired J.P. Morgan to see about selling itself. Is she not doing Did the not. gong show anymore? Hmm? <laughs> I said she's not doing the gong show anymore. It was a, a little tiny pun. J.P. Morgan? Mm. Mm. Never watched the gong show? No. Oh, boy. Mm. They hired J.P. Morgan to do what? To, to try and sell IDW, to try and get it acquired. Wow. I'm still fuzzy on the IDW Marvel connection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I guess a, an activist that owns nine percent of IDW is is the behind this, and he said that. Uh, let's see his quote here. He said uh, he said he compared IDW to publishers like Valiant, which is acquired by DMG, and Miller World, which is acquired by Netflix. Uh, he said they're in an enviable position, enviable position of being the fourth largest comic book publisher by dollar share. Uh, he said they co-own or own more than 200 different IP franchises with more than a thousand characters. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I, am skeptical. I mean, we read a lot of comics and we know IDW pretty well. And I got to tell you, um, I mean, the vast majority of their sales come from licensed books. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know about this 200 IP. I mean, like how much it's V Wars worth, right? I mean, Meanwhile, the stuff that they have, like Winona Earp and Lock and Key, are already already being produced. Right. Like Winona Earp's an actual show on Sci-Fi. Lock and Key's being made into a series, so it's like I don't know what like what do they really have that someone would want to buy. I can't say. It's it's a it's a strange one. Yeah, bums me out though because they they do put out fantastic archival collections. Um. But, Chief among them, the artist editions, and that'll go away if they're acquired. Yeah, but what do, what does IDW actually own? That's because what I'm as you as you're saying, the licensed books are the majority of of what they release. But stuff like, I mean, in the in the most recent previews, there's a, a Crow Hack Slash miniseries. IDW doesn't own either of those. No, right, right. right? So, well, like I, I said, they own Winona Earp, V Wars, Tom Tomorrow, The Highest House. Spider King, Sword of Ages. Uh, they they own Sword of Ages. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, Samurai Jack. 
uh, lock and key. Um, what else? That's about. I mean, everything else looks like it's licensed. I guess Euthanauts is that. I guess that's not licensed, right? Euthanauts. Oh, the Black well, Crown stuff. The yeah. Black Crown, right? Yeah, no, that's all part of it, though. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just I don't know, but it's interesting because they are they are one of the larger indies, and they are like you said doing these things with Marvel now, like all ages, and they do the artist editions. So it uh, it does play to the idea that it's it's hard out there for publishers right now. Yeah. There's so a lot of- so what I'm getting from this is they're an indie publisher with big two sensibilities because if they own those things flat out. So well, they own or co-own. Again, the quote says they own or co-own two hundred okay. plus IP. All right. So I, I guess it makes sense, but it's yeah. just it's baffling. In far cooler news, shout out to our friend and guest of the show, Mr. Sanford Green, and his co-creators David Walker and Chuck Brown, because Bitter Root has been picked up by Legendary to be made into a movie. Oh, that's hot. Yeah, it's not surprising. It's awesome. Yeah. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, see, there's there's a space for good work. You know, good good work will 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 out. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Good for him and mm-hmm. them. Good for them, all of them. Damn skippy bippy. Cool beans. So uh, let's fire the 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 bullet. Are we gonna wrap up this con thing? Any any last words on the C two E two twenty nineteen? Nope. Thanks for having us as always, Reed, and we'll see you all at New York Comic Con. It's true. All right. And uh, big hugs to anyone we may have forgotten. It wasn't intentional, but, you know, there was a lot of people that that we uh, met and or hung with and or encountered. But you didn't finish up the, the tease with the, the restaurant thing. With- oh, geez. Oh, I forgot. I mean, um, so I was chit-chatting with, uh, with uh, D-Dub, Daniel Warren Johnson, uh, about life, actually about fantasy baseball. And Jason Howard was sitting next to him in Artist Alley and was uh, part partaking in the conversation. I don't know Jason well, but uh, nice enough guy. Um, and we were talking about uh, meals, and because Daniel's from the area, and he, we were talking about places to eat and that sort of thing. We were telling about the Smith. He's been wanting to go there and, and so forth so on. And Jason Howard says, oh, yeah, well, I... Uh, yeah, I went to a pretty cool place this week. I, I went to uh, this place called Alinea. And I looked at him and I said, pardon? Turns out this motherfucker <laughs> was was like wandering aimlessly on Friday with no dinner plans. And he runs into Scotty. And of course, because Scotty being Scotty, happened to have plans with C.B. Sibolsky and others to go to fucking Alinea on Friday night. And so Scotty <laughs> went to Alinea on Friday night, the night that Mario and I were desperately trying to go and couldn't get a table. Because Scotty, because that's what he does. You should have seen the glee on his face when Dap and I were talking to him, and he goes, yeah, I ate at Alinea. Jason's super salty, isn't he? Isn't he? Tell me he's super salty. <laughs> so your misfortune was Scotty's joy. Yeah. That's great. I love it. He was so happy. <laughs> so I nice said that he takes joy in his friend's pain. Ah, man. We used to, we're, 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 we're brothers with Vince. So, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not uncommon. Oh shit. I love in, inflicting misery on others. That's my thing. 
yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, uh, thank you for listening to this wrap-up and more of uh, C2E2. If you want to uh, maybe tip your toe in the water and see where everybody's getting their books super cheap, there is uh, really only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door. <laughs> Write these down because it's bar none the last time you're ever going to hear them. Avengers trade paperback for No Road Home from Marvel 1499. DC Batman Last Night on Earth number one, 299. And Kevin Eastman Studios Drawing Blood Spilled Ink number one of four for $2.19. Now, I will not go into this with any kind of depth because I'm going to talk about it next time. But if you haven't already, you should read Apama. The Undiscovered Animal Trade Paperback Volume 1. I read it. Contains issues 1 to 5 of the series, and I was absolutely stunned with how good it mm-hmm. is. Yep. Uh, I'll say no more because why repeat myself? So read Apama, Undiscovered Animal Trade 1. Uh, in your travels, I was catching up before. We started the show tonight, so I did not finish the most recent episode of Action Comics. But uh, the current storyline, Leviathan Rising, um, is written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Mr. Steve Epting. And uh, Bendis really isn't playing around. There are some things that happen that have happened over the past couple of issues. Um Secrets aren't being kept really well. And um, between Sam Lane and Amanda Waller um, and some vast conspiracy that um, looks to be bleeding into a possible, I don't want to call it an event, but um, a spinoff miniseries, which will probably bleed in. To a couple of books. It's one of those things where, you know, if like you're an X-Men fan and there's an X-Men miniseries, you're probably just going to read it all anyway. Same thing with Avengers. So if you're already reading the Bendis Superman stuff, you're probably going to also, you're not going to worry about the tie-ins for this side story uh, miniseries. In any event, I've been having a lot of fun with action. And there are characters that... um it 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 was characters sort of kind of made an appearance in Superman. Uh, it was a story kind of it was a moment set in the future that uh, that Superman was kind of living, and there seemed to be some characters. One particular character who showed up in the previous arc when Ryan Sook was drawing the chapter, but. Um, Bendis has been utilizing the question a little bit. So I'd like to see what Bendis does with the characters. But uh, yeah, no, I've um, still on the Bendis Superman train. So in your travels, get caught up on Action Comics. Respect. That's I agree. That is the, that is the Bendis book to be reading right now. Um, in your travels, I have got a book for y'all from Black Mask. Studios, written by Pat Shand, who, this is definitely the first comic I've ever written by Pat, turns out 
he is mostly known for his writing in for Grimm's uh, fairy tales in Xenoscope. Wow. So I'm, glad, I'm glad I didn't know that going into this because might have kept me from, from, from trying it. But uh, with art by Emily Pearson, and that is Snap, Flash, Hustle, numbers one and two. It is fantastic. Um, it is a story of a uh, alt model. Think like like a suicide girl. Um, she makes her living since she was 18 by modeling on the interwebs, trying to be a social media influencer, getting clicks, all that sort of thing. Uh, her name is Haley Mori, and she's struggling. Um, she just can't seem to go viral. Uh, she's in massive debt. Uh, much more than her husband realizes. And they, uh, interestingly enough, also have a, poly- a newly polygamous relationship. So they, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a threesome, like a, a three-way marriage with another woman. Um, but it's not done in any kind of way that suggests that she's upset about it. It's just, but it's, it's relatively new. In any event, she's, she's having trouble making ends meet. And she is very jealous of a group of models that are crushing it on the interwebs. You know, the, uh, let's see, like the Bella Hadids of the world where everything that they post goes crazy viral. And in a fit of desperation, she takes some photos that she recently did and she puts hashtags that uh, match these elite models hashtags. And then she gets a call from a new, a new photographer who wants to book her and she shows up and it's unlike a typical session where, uh, it's super professional. It goes very quickly. And then he hands her $2,000 and she's baffled. Um, and then he's baffled because he's like, are you, are you new to this? Like you're acting like you don't know what the deal is, but here's where it gets interesting. What she doesn't realize is she has inadvertently stepped into a ring of narcotics trafficking. These hashtags and these models are part of a narcotics ring. And she, because of her use of the hashtags is mistaken for one of the model drug runners. And, but uh, so she she is nearly killed because, uh, you know, she she gets drawn into this ring of criminals. But she uh, she's desperate and she convinces them to let her join up. So she becomes a drug runner and uh, and and the plot goes from there. But it's it's really it's really fun. I mean, and, and Emily Pearson's uh, art is terrific. It's um, it's a little bit. um I'd say it's a little bit like like Cam Stewart or like Babs Tar, but a little more, a little less cartoony. Um, you know, uh, all the women are, are beautiful. Uh, they 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 they're very they range in looks, but they're they're tatted and pierced and different hair colors and stuff. And there's a leader of the of the gang called Coral. She's got pink hair and she's like the uh, she's like the 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 leader of the drug cartel. But uh, it's a lot of fun, man. And 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 the second issue, is huge cliffhanger. Uh, there's violence. There's titillation. Um, it's kind of like uh, almost like, um, like the the Suicide Girls meet uh, Breaking Bad or something. So just just one of those books that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and kudos to them for having a cool solicit. I, I was going through previews a few months back, and the solicit caught my attention, so I ordered it. And I'm really glad I did because uh, it's a terrific little book. And I would love for more people to get turned onto it so we can have more of it. So it's Snap Flash Hustle by Black Mask Studios. Intriguing. Yeah. 
kudos to you that you gave it a, a chance. Yeah, yeah. Nice. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us. Once again, we would implore you, if you enjoyed this, and we hope you did, uh, check out our other stuff. We're on the Facebooks. we got a group there, many groups. We're on the Twitter and the uh, uh, Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Slum O'Clock Comics. Always uh, fun stuffs going on there. In the meantime, say goodnight, David. Ooh. I, 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 David. There you go. Boom. Bullseye. Quick. Sweetness. Yeah. Justice. Cool. I saw the Spider Verse. I was waiting. Yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I wish you'd just start trusting us and start watching this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I, God, I wish I saw that on the big screen. Oh my mm-hmm. god, right? Yep, yep. I watched it three mm-hmm. times. Yeah, the 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 disc arrived yesterday. We'll probably so watch it good. this week. It's amazing. Well well deserving of the awards that it got. Yeah. Yep. Can't yeah. wait for the sequel. Who was your favorite? I don't want to admit it. <laughs> Why? Because you're not you wouldn't guess that it would be my favorite. Well, he is the focal point, so I would have to say Miles. But I would never have said that had I not seen this movie because Miles what? Miles was not a character that ever resonated with me. Right. But yeah, Miles is cool in the movie. And um and 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 so you saw all the way to the end, right? Yeah. You saw past the the credits. Mm, did I see past Oh the my credits? god. Mm. Dude. No, I don't think I watched past the credits. Dude. Dude. Well, I got the disc. I can watch it anytime. You better go watch the end of it. You better go watch the end of it. So stupid with these post-credit bullshit. Like, oh, relax. <laughs> like you're complaining because you sat and waited in the theater. You have the disc now. I do. I can watch it Don't anytime. Pop the damn thing. You're like one of the people that likes the liner notes and like, I yes, do. I do, commentary. but yeah, but in a, I, I was the, not the first time, but I, I don't know why I stopped it. At a certain yeah, point, I don't know but, why either. I don't know. Whatever. I should have known there was something dangling yeah. at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I like the different approaches. You had some oh what looked like stop motion animation, but it wasn't. I don't think it was really like with the 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 goblin in the beginning. I just thought it was great. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, all the all the characters. Mm-hmm. Some flawless shit there. Yard. Good stuff. Okay, all right. Fine. Working for all the all the publishers. But my favorite voice actor was come on. Nick Cage. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. He did a great job. Phenomenal. He did? He did? Yeah. Where's the wind coming from? Yeah. I'll figure this <laughs> thing out. Lady was awesome. It was it was so good. And yeah. her back really quick. Yeah, good stuff. Alright, we gotta go. Say good night. Peace be with you.